You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. Surf that uncertainty wave, and then you'll probably, I think you learn a lot more, and you don't yeah. get up and stuff, you don't get emotional, and mm-hmm. it's, it's. Uh, I think it's, it's far more revealing than, than sticking yourself an idea. Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show, after our uh, hiatus, thanks for sticking with us, a couple bonus apps though. Uh, we are going to be chatting with RPJ and Greg Bishop a little bit later, so uh, it'll be a good one. But first, as always, Graham, don't call me a weird little man Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? I knew that one was coming. I could hear that little evil grin coming from you when I looking gave you that look. And you're like, oh, that'll push his buttons. I have, a, I have had a good one. I'll have to postpone. Yeah, good. Keep it on your list. Don't write it on the table, though, because I can read your scribbly writing. Oh, you can't. So, yeah, we got Greg Bishop of Radio Mysterioso on this episode with Red Pill Junkie. And it was great to chat with those two guys about lots of cool stuff. Yeah, I think we went for two or two and a half hours. Yeah, it should be a long one. Yeah. UFOs and consciousness and our culture, all that kind of stuff. It's pretty good. You guys get your money's worth. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to Vancouver next week. Have fun. Actually, we should just say to people that are new to the podcast and haven't heard us ramble on, we usually do a little intro before the interviews. Skip your, uh, you can look at the, the timestamp in the uh, show notes if you want to skip ahead to the interview. Uh, we just get into some listener feedback and some you read that personal YouTube stories and stuff like that. No? Yeah. You it's still on the top of the list. What is? That comment. I know. Uh, I don't care. No. I don't care <laughs> what people think. Like <laughs> Seems like you got some real insecurities over there. No, 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 no. That's okay. So anyways, yeah, so we get into listener type uh, interaction and we chat amongst ourselves a little bit. So I'm going to Vancouver. I might see Duncan Trussell actually. Stand up? Yeah. Are you going to corner him? I think, I'm not sure. Does he know you know him? Tweet him. Yeah, maybe. You can DM him. And I'm going to the launch party of the gallery, my sister's VR game. It's getting fucking great reviews. Ooh, did you good. see those? Did you hear some of those reviews? Like, holy no. shit. Like, Time Magazine and and uh, uh, the Wired. Like, some guys that, that review games as a fucking I'm, living I'm a love all it. Excited. Yeah, he's he's not excited for that. He, no. I try to talk to him about it. He doesn't, he doesn't get it. He's an he Oculus. He doesn't get it. <laughs> He's like a hardcore gamer. He gets away the fuck more than you do. I don't mean like that. I mean, like, he's an Oculus dude. It seems yeah. like the people are like one or the other, right? Oculus or what? Oh, there's, oh, that's well, right. there's it's the Vive and then yeah. the Sony Morpheus and all that, right? I'm oblivious. I'm not a gamer. I'm, oblivious. I'm not a gamer, so like, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. oblivious to it all. I think really? VR is is going to be amazing though, and this is going to be like this is going to be one of the initial deep games that you can play to to just fucking transport you to another world. So it's more about the VR than the gaming for me. Sorry, um, what were you saying? I not a big. I just don't follow any of that. It's not on my radar. No, you'd no. rather talk about your Nintendo sixty four or whatever. That's right, motherfucker. I go into enough of an alternate universe when I come and talk to you once. <laughs> 
and I have to talk to you every fucking day. So I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good to just settle back down into reality sometimes. Right on. Okay, buddy. Yeah. Whatever. If you want to talk about your little reality that you have going Whatever, on over yeah. there. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Nothing. There you have it. So what do you want to get started with? Maybe I could get baked and UFOs will come. It's probably Maybe. just as plausible. Maybe more plausible. Then what? Meditating them into existence? Yeah. Sorry. So what do you got, buddy? It's been a while. Fuck me. I don't even have this fucking soundboard plugged in. All right, that's enough F-bombs. You're getting into that. Fuck you. That mode. People like that mode. That's what they want. No, not too much. Not overblown to, mode. They want me to swear you at you. You get into overblown mode. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you don't have the your soundboard set up, you want to just pause the recording? Why would I pause it? What do you didn't tell me? Just finished telling me what you're gonna see. Well, what do you want? A trip report or a synchronicity or a uh, all that stuff's an option. Yeah, or instead of a UFO quote, I'm... psychedelics are catalysts of consciousness. <laughs> this isn't a true trip report, but it's pretty funny. You might get a kick out of it. This is from. This is from an anonymous donor. He says, hey, awesome show. You can use my synchronicities on the basis of an anonymous donation. I've had a ton of synchronicities in my life, especially with psychedelics. There used to be a running theme of Spider-Man whenever I do LSD. Woman walking with giant stuff Spider-Man. A guy named Spider-Man. A friend's Spider-Man jacket. Culminating in a fight we witnessed with two tweakers in Spider-Man costumes punched out by these... Portuguese gangster dudes. <laughs> that's not that's not quite as weird as recently when I was watching a documentary about an earthquake that erupted a volcano and then proceeded to fall asleep and have a dream fleeing a volcano in the same way as the movie with a group of East Indian looking people. The next day I found out the first of two huge earthquakes in Nepal happened while I was asleep. Anyways, have a good one guys. Keep on squatching. Actually, he put squanchin, squanchin. Is squatching shooting squatches? Squanchin, he put. Yeah, thanks. There you have it. There you have it. Yeah, thanks for the email, Anonymous. Absolutely. Let's call him John Doe. D-O-E? No, D-O-U-G-H. <laughs> like donut. That's good. I don't think I can rate it. Do you mind if I put a little feeler out to the UK posse? A feeler? Yeah. Do you mind if we don't call it a feeler? <laughs> I mean, it's a little, it sounds a little silly, but we do have a lot of people writing in from the UK. And the the guy that I saw that UFO with in 1990, he's uh, he was from the UK. Now, I know the UK is a big place. Darren thinks it's a small parcel of land. Yes. Small trucks of land. Yes. <laughs> But it's actually quite got a population. So when I mentioned million. the name David Miller, <laughs> of course, it's one of the most common names in the world. But if anybody knows of a David Miller out there, that that's was in Israel <laughs> back in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the email spam gram, please. Or if anyone has a, a way to get to find, like I've tried Facebook and all these other things and I can't, find, I can't get a hold of the guy. So... 
maybe I should just meditate on it every night or something, try and manifest them. So into you want existence. the UK posse to go and track this guy down, <laughs> yeah. make him call well, you? I even called the old, I have my old phone book from the 90s. Like I looked, tried to call the UK numbers. Nothing's, nobody's of service. There's, I mean, there's no service. Like not, nobody's answering. Maybe, should we be worried? Should David Miller be worried? When you track him down? Well, I tracked another guy down who was from Calgary, actually, and he's, I got a hold of his parents and he died. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> she is. The guy that I used to travel with. So, I don't know. I'm kind of worried. Maybe you'd, what if he, what if fucking David Miller's dead, too? I know. That's what I mean. Like, imagine. All if I end up fucking dead, <laughs> you're fucking dead. <laughs> oh, so, I got another uh, email from... A new UK posse, they're coming out of the woodwork. Oh, I wanted to put a feeler out too. A feeler. I'm going to put you? a little feeler out. <laughs> I what? think uh, me and a buddy are going to shoot down to Colorado this summer. If anyone's from Colorado and there's something that's worth seeing, spam it to Graham so he can tell me about it. Just email no, Darren. You email Your me. contact is on the website too. Take me out of I don't want to be a part of it. You Ugh. guys just organize your own trip out there. I don't know what there is to see in Denver other than Aspen. It's pretty, pretty cool. Go downtown Denver. Well, it's yeah, fun that's only going to take not long. I want to get a car and go. Yeah. A little tour. Not yeah. just spend the time in a city, you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to put so on why, a lot why do you of say miles. Denver? So you're talking about Colorado in general? Colorado, yeah. I'm going to fly into Denver and then probably just spend three days driving around the state, three or four days driving around the state and heading home. Why don't you do winter and do a ski trip in there? Like, isn't there like Aspen, Colorado, and Vail? All aren't those like awesome ski places? Yeah, probably, but I don't want to wait. Right. When it's cold, I like to go to fucking. There's sweet ski places here. You know what I mean? When it's yeah. cold, I want to go someplace warm. Right. When it's warm in Denver, sounds cooler. Colorado sounds cooler in the summer. Mind mean, it's probably not bad in the winter. Anyway, I've never been there. I don't know what to do. So, Hang out at the airport for a while. Oh, why? Is that a secret airport? Well, it's a big, you know, that big one about the conspiracies and all that, with the horse with the red eyes and the paintings of I the... I don't know any of this. Oh, yes, you do. We talked about it before when I went. But I plan on eating the last of my edibles right before I get to the airport on the way home, so I'll find this horse and have a conversation with him. Okay, good. What, uh, what do you got next, buddy? So this is from, uh, from Ash. No... I told you I got a fucking MUFON report instead to read. Well, that's kind of the same thing. I need a new jingle for the MUFON report, though. Do you want the the MUFON report? Yeah. We're doing a MUFON report? Yeah, now? this is... this is James, this James is, suggested um, it. I like fuck, it. I don't care what James suggested. You can't just surprise me with your fucking segments. Se- yeah, yeah. I can. That's how it organically <laughs> works. Organically works. <laughs> This is a MUFON report 75781, and it happened in Newfoundland, Canada on April 12th of this year at 4.30. Situation. I was in my backyard in Paradise, Newfoundland, doing some spring cleanup and maintenance. I just set up my patio table and chairs and had just sat back to relax a moment when I noticed a helicopter just coming overhead. I watched it go overhead and followed it to the northeast towards the St. John's Airport. As I followed the helicopter, I noticed a black dot in the sky close to the helicopter's trajectory, which I originally thought was a large bird. I was worried that it might collide with the helicopter. I then noticed that the dot was moving steadily westward, 
and was at a much greater distance from the helicopter than I originally thought. It was going in a straight line without moving up or down, not bird-like, and maintaining a very good speed. I had just watched a plane come in for landing, and this dot was doing at least three to four times the apparent speed of that plane. I watched it for about 15 to 20 seconds, going in a straight line westward, and then it just disappeared north over Belle Isle, Newfoundland, going to Holyrood, Holyrood, Newfoundland. I must say at this time that the object was always below the cloud layer and did not go into the clouds, but just blinked out. Now, I'm an, an, ast uh, <clears throat> an amateur astronomer, past president, RASC, St. John's Center, with telescopes from 40 mil, 6-inch refractors, 10-inch, LX200, CPC1100, to my 16-inch Mead light bridge. I know what astronom astronomical... Oh, my God. Astronomical? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Events and planets could have been in the sky at that time, and there are none that can be noticed at that time in, in that direction. I'm an, also an avid weather observer. He's a Coco Ross member. And know what weather phenomena is, and none came to mind. I've also watched many varieties of planes, civilian and military, crisscross the airspace to the north of my house, and this black dot was none of them. This is not it's swamp gas. It's not, not thermal inversion, nor light reflection, as it was a dark object. And since I don't see radar, it couldn't be what the other radar anomalies could be. What was it? I don't know. Notice the lack of alien spacecraft speculation, as I only want to identify the anomaly. Only alien spacecraft are alien spacecraft, and all UFOs are UFOs, until proven otherwise with compelling evidence, and then might be something else. But I've never seen this type of object in its actions before, and therefore, it is a UFO. There you have it. Yeah, kind of summarize this. That counts as Balance a quote. Report, does it? Yeah. All right. Unless you can quote something that's not a UFO. That was like a big long quote. Longest yeah. quote ever. Yeah, it was, eh? What else you got? I got some feedback from a listener in the UK, one of our UK, new UK posse, posse members. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, from Ash. How big is the UK posse getting? Do we have an official? I don't know. It's got to be like a dozen guys, probably a dozen people, maybe. Tell you what, if you motherfuckers can get organized and get uh, get together, get some numbers, maybe when you get to twenty. No, no, no. What? What I'm saying, if when I get to twenty, they can buy. We can get. Uh, I think we get. Can we get twenty shirts printed that say UK Posse on. <laughs> They'd have to pay for them, of course. But yeah, maybe. Yeah, we could do. Tw yeah, we could do that. Twenty. Get some UK. Yeah. When you get to twenty, we can get you some UK posse branded T-shirts, <laughs> so you guys can recognize each other. And then maybe David Miller will come out of the woodwork. Yeah, and then I'll end up dead. Oh. So he says, and this is in the. They all have the sense of humor too. It's quite funny. I wish I could do an accent. I should just get my my uh, voice reader. I could do a uh, accent. No, you can't. I can do a perfect <laughs> accent. Don't usually bother with this communication don't charade. Don't usually bother with this communication charade. <laughs> but after a bottle of wine and listening to a couple of your podcasts, I thought, why not? You guys do a pretty good job. I'm quite impressed. After subscribing to countless podcasts due to having a job in which I can listen eight hours a day, well, whatever I like, I have pretty much... He's listened to pretty much all of the fringe conspiracy alternative podcasts out there. 
don't have any synchronicities for you, I'm afraid. Although if I was to think hard enough, I could probably find one. I was one of those skeptical, living in a bubble kind of people, quick to mock anyone who brought up UFOs or 9-11, etc. Long story short, tried to debunk 9-11, failed, and there was my learning curve. Then questioned everything, perhaps too much, perhaps not enough, who knows. Anyway, you two don't do a bad job. I tend to take your approach rather than Darren's on most subjects. He's way too skeptical. <laughs> the Grant Cameron interviews were my favorite ones, and from those interviews I concluded that Darren's, Darren is a little bit pregnant. I guess I like how you just act as a medium and partial platform, a bit like THC, but you have a pretty laid-back attitude, which I resonate with. Would be good if you guys could get Graham Hancock on. I've listened to most of his interviews, but always get that impression he is not opening up fully due to not wanting to be put in a conspiracy category. I think you guys could get him on to open up a bit more. For instance, one of the JRE interviews, he mentioned how the Aztecs and Mayans, Mayans participated in human sacrifice to, de to demonic spirits through war, and he kind of implied it's the same today. But Joe kind of stopped him in his tracks. Guessing places Joe can't go due to corporate sponsorship, which you guys don't have. Anyway, signed up to the micro subscription. Will increase when can. Wouldn't want to see you two have to stop due to funds. I've got a lot of time for your funding approach. If you can't change the system, then be the change. Mm, perfect. Thanks. That's a perfect example. Start at a buck. Yeah. Ground floor. Is that what the lowest subscription is? Yeah, buck a month. You can always move up from there or you cannot. If everyone gave a buck a month, then we would never need any more. <clears throat> cool. And do you want to talk about our fundraiser then now while we're on that topic? Uh, Specific I fundraiser? I was going to say you can just be a little bit pregnant, but I don't want to get into it. You know, it's coming I from what know. you said in that podcast, right? About, oh, that's like being a little bit pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was probably something to do with abductions or something like that <laughs> you can't just be a little bit abducted <laughs> uh, yeah check out america.ca support all the different options are there from one buck to thirty bucks um, oh I forgot I was going to email if there's a weird number that that you people want, want that's not on the website I can email out custom options really yeah, it's a pain, but I mean, whatever. If someone's going to take the trouble to send us money, I'll take the trouble to fucking put in whatever number right, they want. Right. Well, and the big and the big promotion right now is fundraising for a new recording computer, uh, which we've we're sort of raffling off these tickets, and people can the winner can actually Come bring on the a show. guest of their choice on the show with us, and they get an iPad full of. Assuming good, we can get stuff. them, we'll try and get them. Yeah, you can give us a list, and we'll kind of pick away it. Maybe a top three to start with yeah, or something like that. Yeah. We yeah. have pretty good luck usually. So. Yep. Um, yeah, and you can come on that. You get iPad and Grammaric Swag Pack. Yeah, so like one twenty bucks, 20 bucks one, and 50 for two, and we're almost there. Like we're 50 probably for two, three. 50 for three. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, eh? 50 for that. two? Yeah. yeah. Um, or four for 100. <laughs> what were they talking about? I don't know, but check it out. Get some tickets. We haven't sold any in a while. No, how many we have left? We only have about so. 50 left. So yeah. it's either when that sells out, we'll do the thing, or when uh, June 1st comes around, because that's our pretty much our three-year anniversary. Yeah. No sponsorship, no ads. No nothing. All free, no paywalls every episode. 
Yeah. This will be a number 165. We didn't have a show last week. We took a week off. Uh, we did release a couple bonuses, though, or chats on friends to know. So you can see just how fucking boring we actually are if you're stuck in a room for a yeah. certain hour <laughs> for any real length of time. Without each other to bug each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it was good. Adam's doing a pretty good job over there. Go over and I encourage people to go check it out. I think it's friends-2-no.com. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. RPJ's been on there a few times as well. Yeah. So do you got any synchros for me? I well, feel like crushing dreams. I do want to uh, talk about... Um, <coughs> if anybody has paranormal video footage, that Temple Street Productions is looking for people's footage and they're going to vet it and they're going to pick it out and they're going to give people money for it. So because... I don't know, because we sort of have talk about people's experiences all the time here. I, I kind of don't mind plugging this a little bit, just in case listeners do have some video that they want to send in. I'm going to put a note in the show notes, a link in the show notes, paranormalvideofootage.castingcrane.com, and that's Temple Street Productions. So I'm going to talk about that. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about was that NA meetup coming up. No agenda show meetup. There's a whole bunch of people signed up, and a lot of people can't go. There's about eight people not going, but there is at least four of us going. Mm-hmm. And when that's is on it again? May 28th, Saturday, May 28th at 3. So, here in town? Can, uh, it's in Red Deer. How many people are going? Uh, five of us so far. I'm sure it'll, I'm sure the NA listeners will all start. Let me know where it gets to. Okay. I'm on the fence. I think if we get to, how many do we get to 10 and then they'll mention on the show? If they get to 10, I'll go. Is that being a dick? Kind of. Well, weekends are kind of big. doesn't matter. I'll go. Like, I'll go for us. It's fine. If it was on fucking Wednesday, sure. I'll go. Yeah. We should dress you up in a nice pastel pink suit. Pastel blue, sorry. The king. We should get you. Let me, let's go and pick you out a, a, uh, What would you call it? The Burning Man outfit? Ooh, when's Burning Man? Uh, End end of the summer, I think. Huh. Good to know. Won't be this year, but I'd like to go check that out for sure. Anyway, I might come. We'll see what happens. Do you want to uh, talk about that that, uh, email about tobacco and stuff like that? I want to read that. Tobacco? Tobacco. Do we have enough time? Tobacco? Yeah. I don't know what the fuck you're talking okay. about. Okay, okay, here we go. Can I, do I have a jingle for it's it? It's a spam, probably a spam gram, maybe? Spam <laughs> at, least, at least whoever made that jingle can pronounce my name. <laughs> so this is from, uh, oh no, let me get it wrong here. This is from Noel. Oh, he pronounced pronounced it with with an accent. Is this another uh, UK guy? We'll have to see. He pronounced it with an accent? Yeah. Why did he say that? Noel. It's not Noel. It's Noel. What do you think? You assume it's Noel? Noel. Noel. It's Noel. No, he's saying Noel. It's Noel. Noel. Yeah, Noel, like nuclear. No, like no, it's not no, it's like, not Noel. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to add an extra fucking syllable into it. I'm taking one out. 
I know. That's why he's making sure you take it out because he knows you have a tendency to add syllables. To you think so, eh? Yeah. I don't think he's listened to enough to know that. So he says, Graham and Darren, I'm not a subscriber, although I've made a donation to your show. I find myself gravitating towards Grimerica and the Higher Sides chat, Higher Side chats most often. So I'll probably subscribe to both. <clears throat> Podcast subscription virgin at this point. You guys will be my first. So be gentle with me as... So far, in 50 years of walking on this rock, I've been exit only. (laughs) Oh, I remember that. Currently working my way back through your extensive library of back issues. Too much good content to comment about in this note. Keep up the great fucking worth. That's an F-bomb for Darren. I was listening to the March 21st, 2014 episode with economic hitman John Perkins. Because March 21st is his birthday. Whose birthday? Possible sink. He says this is uh, his birthday. Anyway, Darren and Jared made comments. Is he still a Pisces? I don't think so, eh? I don't know. He's probably on the cusp. The 21st seems like it would be a cusp day. Well, you can look that up while you don't listen to this. I'm listening. Anyway, Darren and Jared made some comments regarding quitting smoking and making a move to organic Indian tobacco. I think this could be great topic on a show itself. I myself and many I have you know, read this before? I'm having crazy deja vu. Uh, no. Is it just because he sent me the email? Probably. Yeah, because I, I actually asked show? you to read it. Yeah, yeah. That's why, because you normally don't read them. For the record, uh, I did quit smoking over that's a year. That's why I want to talk about it. <sighs> Fuck really? you, little firecracker, eh? When I make fun of you. <laughs> Over a year ago? A little pistol. <clears throat> Fireball. I think it was a pistol back. That's more your your No, it's not era. pistol. Fireball would be better. Pistol, no. Oh, so where am I? Anyway, uh, I myself and many I know have battled cigarettes and or chewing tobacco. I started off dipping tobacco while playing college football. Once graduated into the workplace, I took up smoking. So I would w- smoke at work and use dipping tobacco while at home or while fishing or hunting. I would like to share some of my observations that I've made over the years regarding myself and other people who are close to me and what some su- subsequent Google searches have turned up. I have known too many people that have smoked for many years, decades even, then at some point these people become tired of being a slave to their vice and for health reasons decide to quit. Upon quitting, these people then develop a variety of diseases. I will give four examples. My sister-in-law, 25 years, one and a half to two pack per day Marlboro Red smokers. While smoking, they experience no adverse health effects from their cigarettes. Within six months of quitting, my sister developed a severe case of asthma that persisted for six years. Within six months of quitting, my brother-in-law developed horrible acid reflux, GERD. Both had zero health effects while smoking, only to have issues appear within the first year of quitting. My wife smoked for seven years, from the time we had dated until she became pregnant once we were married. Over the years, she has developed a slew of autoimmune diseases. As for myself, I was a tobacco user from 82 on and off to 2015. I quit for seven months starting in August. The cravings never went away. While being a nicotine user, I've never had any health issues. Shortly after quitting in November, I experienced an infected appendix that ruptured, which is exquisite. Everyone should try it. 
and upon quitting almost immediately developed an autoimmune-related dry eye syndrome, which is worse than the appendix. I have correlated similar anecdotal observations from coworkers and friends over the years as well. After thinking about these things, I decided to look into a bit. It turns out that cigarettes used to be prescribed for asthma and worked remarkably well. Nicotine has been reviled and demonized as one of the leading causes of cancer in our times. However, looking a little deeper, one can find that nicotine does not cause cancer whatsoever. Nicotine is actually a potent antioxidant with several health benefits that can be found in medical literature if one cares to do a little digging. Surprisingly, it parallels the negative perceptions of cannabis. Although nicotine does not have the far-reaching medicinal benefits of cannabis, it is not without its merits. Unfortunately, I don't see how nicotine can be disassociated from tobacco tobacco as they they are inexplicably, inexorably intertwined so far as to be synonymous at this point. Darren's switch to organic tobacco, in my mind, is a good move. So don't forget, this is like a couple, this is back from uh, 2014 here. As it so happens, there is no more organic tobacco for sale in the U.S. right now. A bit of digging has shown that all of the organic premium tobacco grown in the U.S. is earmarked for sale in the U.K. and parts of Europe. Sorry. Probably due to some 150-year-old treaty with the king. The other, I'm sure he's kidding about that. The other tobacco is pulped, and the nicotine is extracted with solvents. The remaining pulp is made into paper where the nicotine, as well as several other additional additives, which make the cigarette more addictive, sprayed onto the paper, which is then cross-cut and rolled into the cigarettes, which is sold to the masses. The growing tobacco itself used to be hand-suckered removal of the bottom leaves. Today, the lower leaves near the ground are sprayed with a Roundup plate chemical and they just fall off the plant. This was told to me by a friend of mine who grew up on a tobacco farm in the Carolinas. Some of that got in your hair. After going back... What? Said some of that spray must have gotten your hair. After going back for a funeral... He spoke to his uncle and told him he needed to get the kids into the fields to sucker the plant. That's what my uncle replied, how now they use chemicals for suckering. But I digress. As for myself, being my cravings never subsided, I decided to give vaping a try. I've never felt better. I get the nicotine without all the other additives. Although vaping may not be without risk, it is on a scale magnitudes better for you than cigarettes. I'm 50 with vaping and I can still run... 10 miles. It doesn't seem to affect my mind or my wind like cigarettes did. I find the nicotine keeps my mind sharp and my energy levels high. He's still pretty fit, SOB, heading towards retirement. I'd be curious to hear your take on this. Also, just to let you know, since listening to your show, the amount of synchronicities in my life has risen exponentially. My take is you guys work to expose the real truth while the media what the media will never expose. So many things I've listened to have just resonated with me as well as we all know the truth will set you free. It's funny when I listen to Darren, his low synchro score, looking for some of the topics in the pre-show chat as woo, I look back and see myself. I also thought it was all woo as a devout living materialist. Oh, that's an interesting theme today. As I have grown older... Things could not be more different for me. I've come full circle and become more spiritual and I've come to realize that the woo is where it's at. There's still time, Darren, after all. At 33, you're still just a babe. 
You two keep up the great work. Oh, man, I miss 33. Keep being yourselves, and no matter how successful you become, don't succumb to the corporatocracy and brotherhood. Noel. As a postscript, what about a show on yoga? That sounds like a great idea. Well, thanks for the the long email, Noel. What do you think about that one, Darren? I like it. What do you think about the conspiracies about tobacco? Uh, I don't know. It's probably just worth more. I I'd, I'd I'd think it'd probably go down that simple. It's worth more money to sell it overseas than it is to sell it to Americans. Well, what about all the adding all the all the crap? Yeah, I believe all that. You think that yeah. makes it more addictive then? Fuck yeah, guaranteed it does. So you quit a year ago, over a year I ago quit. now. It was a year on January twenty first. January twenty first. What year? Twenty fifteen. I was. I quit on January twenty first. Twenty. 15. It's been over a year already that you've quit smoking? Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Is it? It is. Maybe to you. Bingo, bango. So then you were vaping when you quit? I vaped for like eight months. Wow, really? Yeah. And that, that and that's been five months since you vaped. Yeah. What made you do that? So you just you weaned yourself off of nicotine on the on the vaping, I and went, then stopped. Yeah, I weaned down to six or th- six. I think it was down to three milligram nicotine or whatever. And then, uh, and then it just like went in my drawer, and I just I'm in the side thing on my truck, and I used it less and less and less until I gave it to Tom. Consciously. It was starting to like leak and shit, and I had to buy new filters, another pack of filters, another thirty bucks. You know, I was just like, I didn't want to spend more inconvenience. Yeah, it became an inconvenience to go to the vape shop. And at that time, I guess I was weaned off enough that I just said, "Fuck it." Did you get down to zero? Smoking joints help. Did you get down to zero nicotine? Oh, well. In the vape? Like, were you vaping no nicotine at one point? I did, but then I went back. Oh, yeah, right, right. And then I just ended up going from... I never really... I I never successfully smoked zero nicotine vape. Why'd you quit smoking to begin with? Kids. What if, what kids if there was just natural Indian to tobacco me. to smoke? I don't know. I still, like, if <clears throat> if the situation calls for it, I'll have a cigar. Oh, right. You know what I mean? Hmm. I've pretty, I felt like I have a pretty good control over my vices. I felt I, now like that a slave. I've now that I've like I, I'm not probably not gonna have cigarettes, even though you know I feel like and I did last summer. I think when I went out drinking that one night, I had a cigarette. But well, it's then just it hasn't like, been that long since you quit. Then oh fuck you, you guys <laughs> in your fucking absolutes, you alcoholics and your fucking absolute fucking things. Like I, I, my personality is one of the point that if I can get my things in order, I can. You still quit. Yeah. Yeah. I quit drinking too and I can I'm not scared to go have a couple beers at a buddy's house tonight. Right. Well, I'm not scared to do it. I just choose not to do it. There you go. Cuz it's not good but it for doesn't, me. It doesn't mean that you didn't quit. You know, like well, if, if, if something happened tomorrow and you're like, oh, "I had a glass of champagne last night because this happened." So now I got to start day 1. I say that's bullshit. No, that's the way it has to be for... No, it's not. Uh, it does if you... It does, I guess, if you're a fucking... Alcoholic, then. Yeah. It does make a difference. So maybe I'm not an alcoholic. But I sure acted like one. <laughs> when? <laughs> when I was an alcoholic, when I drank a lot. 
Yeah, that's that's a subjective, you know, thing, right? Yeah, I suppose. There's a difference between the problem drinker and the alcoholic as well. Like it's, it's yeah. not, you know, there is a line you cross where you lose your choice, right? And that do you you can't really go back. Like that's why it's abstinence because story yeah. after story of people that have crossed that line have one. and they have one and then no matter what it's a t- it's a not no matter what me, but most of the time been. it's it's a, during a period of time whether it's a week or a few days or a couple months you're back to where you started or worse actually yeah maybe so yeah i've never had that problem everything i've ever wanted to quit other than cigarettes everything when i wanted to quit it i've quit successfully yeah without much trouble except for cigarettes yeah, cigarettes were a tough one for me too, man. I felt like a slave. Like that's why I really just, I just felt like a slave. Like I needed that nicotine. It was really. Now I was addicted I've, been, to nicotine. I've been clear long enough that it kind of grosses me out. Yeah, hmm. but I can still, like, I'll still have a backwoods why not? Or especially if someone's rolling a blunt with some tobacco in it, I'm not going to not partake. You know, I don't give a fuck. Hmm. It's kind of like with even with my diet, I'll do the best I can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not an absolutist. Yeah. What do you anyway. think about all this all this medical stuff happening after the fact? Uh well I don't know. I take fucking I'm allergic to everything. I never used to be. <clears throat> when I was a kid I never had any allergies. But that didn't have anything to do with you quitting smoking. Like you'd just been no. an allergic kind of guy. Yeah, I don't know what happened though. I, I almost think that your body gets used to it. It's not like it has anything to do with specifically tobacco. It's that it's in that habit. It's got used to that thing, right? There could Where be health like, benefits to tobacco. I would not rule it out. But not the type of tobacco people are smoking. Like no, not cigarettes. No, whatever. there's no fucking benefit to that. But to organic tobacco, I wouldn't. I'm sure it helps something, right? Yeah, maybe. Why not? People never ever thought pot helped anything, and look, at it turns out it helps all this shit, and doesn't cause lung cancer. That's a good point. You know, I don't know. I can't say that organic tobacco doesn't cause lung cancer. I don't know enough about it to say that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I could probably say to the point that I would, I bet you if you looked into it, there are some health benefits to tobacco, clinically proven health benefits. But Not about- paid for by some fucking big tobacco corporation. But it's what- a natural plant, and I think pretty well every plant on the fucking planet has some sort of benefit to somebody somewhere. But what about all these people that are that are smoking and then they... They stop and something happens afterwards. Like, do you think that's, that that's I mean, just maybe like, tobacco was treating it? Because even like, even fucking, then even I mean, it could just be as simple as it's hard on your lungs, or yeah. so, I don't know. You know? Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Could be artificially strengthening it once you become dependent on it, or I don't know. But even fucked up Marlboro Red tobacco might still, you know, it might be like. Stopping something from Super fucking something It's like taking whatever, some like... plant out of the rainforest and turning it into a little pill, you know? Like, maybe it doesn't work as well as it would have. Maybe it works better being turned into a pill. I almost feel like if you relied on anything your whole life or, or for decades, like whether it's some sort of weird food or something, that if you stop it, it, it affects you. Oh, yeah, I guarantee we're creatures of habit, born by experience. But I haven't had any negative fallout from smoking that I noticed. How long did you smoke for? Uh, I quit when I was 33, just about to turn 34. When did you start? When I was 16? I smoked a bit in like grade 7. 
Then I quit, but I started smoking officially hard in grade nine, probably. Summer of grade eight, going into grade nine. Mm. So I would have been 14. So 20 years. Mm. Almost 20 years. Wow. Wow. You can do it. You can quit. Just don't smoke tomorrow. Um, I think that's what it. We're running a bit long. Okay. Yeah, thanks, man. Anything else? I think yeah, we covered for the everything. Email. Thanks for the email. It's good. Don't Interesting. Oh, yoga's been fucking. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. All right, guys, enjoy the chat with uh, Dragon Red. So we've got Red Pill Junkie with us, kind of as per usual. But uh, we've also got Greg Bishop, one of Red's favorite Fortians, with us. And he's got a new book out, It Defies Language. And that's uh, Essays on UFOs and Other Weirdness. And you guys probably heard of Greg already. He's a uh, host of Radio Mysterioso. And he was also uh, editor of Excluded Middle Magazine. Kind of uh, touches on a lot of the same stuff we do. Very interesting conversations he has over there. And it's really a pleasure to finally get to chat with you, Greg. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to, great to chat with you. I've been listening to some of your shows. And so much of it resonates with the kind of, I don't know, my, my way of thinking right now as well. It's just, um, yeah, I, I consider myself kind of in the middle of all this stuff. Not, right. on, not on one side or the other. And uh, Red, welcome back again. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. Thank you for organizing this. I'm really super excited uh, that the Gramerica audience would finally get a chance to hear one of my personal heroes in this field, you know, Mr. Greg Bishop right here, who is uh, probably been one of one of the few or one of the uh, really a handful of people who have mostly influenced me. In my current, uh, like you said, my current way of thinking about the phenomenon and other things besides the phenomenon. But yeah, yeah I'm really super excited for this. And you guys have spent a lot of time together recently, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, the bromance is uh, <laughs> ever growing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's funny that uh, when we went to Arizona, we weren't really involved in anything else. So we got to hang out. But uh, this one, I was talking to so many other people. The only time I, I really got to talk to talk to him was actually when in like. 20 minutes um, before we both passed out when we're just, you know, just in the room going, what the hell? I don't know. What the hell? What are we going to do tomorrow? I don't know. What the hell? Why is this person, you know, why is this person bothering? Nobody at the at the Paramania, but just like people that were bothering me online and all that. Yeah. And, and then we and we'd pass out. But uh, 
I got to talk to them a lot more last time. It's just this time there were so many people and so many people we want to talk to and doing something all the time that we actually didn't. To me, I thought we didn't talk that much, didn't we? Yeah, we didn't. But uh, like you said, you know, we spent uh, a lot of time uh, all alone together uh, on the last trip to the International UFO Congress where we uh, had a chance to meet uh, Jacques Vallée, my first time. I think you had uh, already met him. And now I've kind of felt that <laughs> I couldn't like uh, uh, have a Greg Bishop monopoly on this uh, trip because in, in truth, there were a lot of Radio Misterioso fans who took great efforts to have this uh, go all the way to this trip to Dallas in order to, you know, uh, among other things, you know, to meet Greg, to have a chance to finally have a chat with him. So I knew, you know, that a lot of people wanted to spend uh, as much time with him as possible. So, you know, I had to uh, be flexible. Plus, I also, I mean, had a chance to finally meet other people like yeah. Tim Binal, you know, the, fam yeah, the yeah. famous esoteric podcaster, you know, host of Binal of America. Uh, Joshua Kutchin, you know, who is, it's funny, I think I've only been acquainted with Josh for probably only a year and a half, but mm -hmm. we have so many uh, private and also public discussions thanks to Soraya Ascat, you know, these roundtables he organizes for these, his podcast where he did the road go, that when I met Joshua, I felt I was like re reacquainting myself with... Um, some kind of distant cousin, you know? I felt like he was like a, a, a family member or so. And yeah, we got along famously. We also got along famously with uh, Tina Sena, uh, Marisol, all, a lot of people whose names I will probably not be, will be able to, to name, you know, because it was interesting. It, was, it wasn't a big gathering, I think, was kind of a, a, a preoccupation beforehand, you know, say, oh my God, what if 50 people show up in Paramania? It's going to be a mess. It wasn't that it was only like the, between 20 and 30, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think it was like 16 or 17 main group and then um, mm -hmm. maybe five or six more showed up during the, uh, uh, during the lecture part. Mm-hmm. So it was really manageable, and it, it, it allowed for these uh, dynamic groups that, you know, small groups that got uh, uh, then got together for big uh, conversations. So I don't know, it was great. It was like a, uh, 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 like a four-day party all night long, you know? I mean, I really resented the fact that I had to, you know, collapse for a few hours and then take a shower you know, <laughs> because those were the only times that the party got interrupted. Yeah, that sounds great. I almost, w I was really close to going. It's just, uh, with the dollar and At everything. Three quarter and, speed? Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad you guys had a good time. Yeah. Yeah, and it's probably going to happen next year. Are you thinking yeah. uh, same time, Greg? Same time, same place kind of thing? Who knows? I don't know. But yet Steve Ray, the way this started, Steve Ray, it's called, it was called Paramania. And Steve Ray, who's a listener to my show um, and some others, some of the other podcasts in Texas and Dallas, he said in December, he said, hey, if I fly you out here, would you talk to some people? And I said, yeah, sure. If you're serious. 
And he and said, he yes, left. that's curious. And then we told Tim, and then Tim said, why don't we turn it into a thing? And um, we talked about it on our show once because I didn't want to make, I really, really didn't want 30, 40, 50, 100 people showing up. 30 maybe. But getting into about 50 or so would have been unmanageable. The size we had was pretty good. And the idea behind it was basically just to have a place where it was like called an unconference, I guess, or that was our idea. To have a place where people could hang out and just talk about stuff and there's none of this, like the speakers are going to go to their room and be away from you. Now you're going to come to dinner and pay, you know, $50 to eat dinner with the speakers, and, which is fine if there's, you know, 2,000 people and 50 speakers. That's really the only way you can do it. Yeah. Um, first it was just me and Tim and then... Um, uh, Joshua said he was coming, and then uh, Micah Hanks said he was coming, and uh, even Nick Redfern said he was coming. Then his car broke down, and he couldn't come all weekend, which sucked. Yeah. But um, what happened was there wasn't really any, you know, wall between people that were doing things and people that the consumers and fans of the stuff. Yeah, exactly. So just all. Yeah. Hung out, and you know, I talked to everybody. I noticed at one point the all the women there were sitting at a table at a bar, and all the guys were standing next to the bar. So I left the guys and sat down and talked to all the women for like forty five minutes. Good job. All, you know, four of them or five of them or something, and I had a lot of fun. And um, but but you know, every time I saw that somebody was being left out, or I I you know I thought of it, I'd say, oh, that person's off by themselves. So I'd run over and talk to them, or I tried to. So. Um, that that that's kind of the way it was. Everybody really did that. Everybody just kind of mixed and matched and all that. Mm-hmm. We, we one day we went to Aurora to the cemetery where supposedly that the, the uh, airship um, alien guy was buried. Yeah, which I think is a was a, a a newspaper hoax almost conclusively, but it's still a pilgrimage site and important in the lore. And it was out in the middle of nowhere, really in Texas, in this tiny little town and. Jim Mars lives like ten miles away from there. Hmm. Is that the one with, uh, near the lighthouse? Was it in the lighthouse or something like that? Or no, no, what was it? Uh... Was it windmill? I think. Yeah, windmill, windmill. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah. Windmill, yeah. And then, you know, the parts were thrown in a well, and the well was still there. Supposedly, we saw a well or an old well, and we stood around it, and Mike got pontificated and gave us a speech. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't pontificate. He gave us a little speech for about ten minutes about everything that he knew about the Aurora crash. Oh, nice. Uh, while we smoked cheap cigars that, that Steve brought. Chiba um, cigars? Huh? Chiba cigars? Oh, no, 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 no. Just, just cheap. Like those stupid owl flavor. The most horrible cigars you can think of. Um, so we stood around and smoked those and because Steve said it attracted. He's heard that it attracted Bigfoot. It's like, okay, what the hell? Let's go. Did any, did any of you have a gun to shoot Bigfoot if he did come around? I don't know what the breakdown of shoot Bigfoot to not shoot Bigfoot was in the group. I guess it would probably have been mostly not shoot Bigfoot and yeah. probably divided along lines of people that lived in Texas and people that didn't. <laughs> See, that's the kind of attitude that not keeping score in soccer gets you. <laughs> you asked that question fucking 50 years ago, I bet you it's 90% are pulling the trigger. Oh, yeah, yeah, shoot Bigfoot. Um <laughs> So, yeah, that was a lot of fun, and uh, we went out to dinner a lot, and then Tim Benal and I and, and these two guys that listened to the show, Zach Farr and Zach Copley, went to went to WrestleMania. <laughs> I'm surprised you got in. I, I saw a huge lineup of, like, 40,000 people stuck outside or something. Really? 
Yeah, there was a uh, problem with ticket sales or something like that, and they, I saw this, I don't know, this picture or something. Are you like sure that was in Dallas? People. Yeah, it was WrestleMania just uh, last oh, weekend. Oh, WrestleMania, yeah. yeah that's was it the next rough. night? I think they had one the second night. Too. Yeah. So you went to that? How was it? It was It was really stupid. <laughs> I was never into wrestling, and then um, Tim Benal really is into it, which is why it was basically it was called Paramania because it was a, it was a, at WrestleMania, and that was supposed to be part of it. Steve bought us some tickets, and really nice of him. Um, and it turned out after a while, Tim was the only one going, and I couldn't leave Tim high and dry. I I talked to him for about twenty minutes trying to convince him that no, maybe we should just hang out with everybody. Not everybody's going. And he's like, no, damn it, I want to go to <laughs> I go to WrestleMania. So. Um, I went, and then it turned out two of the other guys wanted to go, um, and Tim was the only one that really knew anything about it. And I thought it was really, really stupid for about the last, first half or whatever. And then as it got towards the bigger, like, because uh, I was watching, I was like, wow, he missed him in the face again, and he missed him again, and he missed him five more times, and now he's on the floor. Um <laughs> Uh, and, but the last two were just so theatrical and so cartoon-like that I just started laughing because it was so silly. And I enjoyed it on that level. Um, remember the Bugs Bunny cartoon with the wrestler, the crusher? <laughs> yeah. One of the one of the wrestlers looked like that. And I, I took a picture of the giant TV monitor because that's the only way you could see it because we, we were literally – we must have been 500 feet above the stage. We, we didn't uh, – the little ring. Um, I sent a picture of that wrestler to my wife, and she sent me back a picture of the Bugs Bunny cartoon. Because <laughs> he looked just like the guy in the cartoon. It was it was pretty funny. Anyway, so yeah, uh, that, that that was one night, and then the last night we were at a um, party at a very a very nice house in the Dallas area uh, of a friend of our host Steve. Nice. Yeah, I know, I know what it's like here. We, we we have a couple meetups here in Calgary where I get together with some people that basically can chat about all the, all the stuff, open-minded, without ridicule or anything like that. And, you know, some people more to this side, some people more to that side, but it's good to yeah. be able to connect. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we do this show is just to connect with people to have good conversations. So it's great when you can do that in person. We should yeah, do well, one of those in, like, BAMF. Yeah, yeah, just sit in a little chalet in the mountains for a weekend. Ooh, that'd yeah. be great. And then do, just mm-hmm. do it uh, on an off season. You know, I, I are you in you're in Alberta right now? Yeah, Is that Cal- you guys are Calgary. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, that's about an hour from here, maybe. Oh wow! My my first long term girlfriend was from Drumheller, Alberta. Oh yeah, it's like forty five minutes from here. Yeah, that's where all the dinosaurs are. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, yeah, so I, 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 at least I know of the area. I never went there. I always want to go to Banff. Banff's a little touristy. You, if you, the, the, the real secret is to drive about twenty minutes past Banff. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'm, I'm going to call you or guys. Revelstoke. Day. Revelstoke is fucking awesome. Yeah, call us and you'll you come to the studio for an in-person interview. Okay. So, we, so uh, go ahead, Darren. Yeah, we should jump into. Uh, Jump into the book. Maybe we should let uh, Red ask the first question. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to have to get a copy of the book here in front of me to make sure I remember what, <laughs> what I wrote. Because I've been on a couple shows already, and they say, what did you write in this thing? It's like, I don't know. I have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah, you, Well, you can't remember everything. When somebody asks you a question you asked on a show or something you said on a show, how the hell do you remember? You know, you might. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Uh, something that is um, not in the book. What sparked or what triggered you to write, want to write the book in the first place? Uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't write the book. 
really. Um, mm-hmm. I worked on the book for because <laughs> um, people think it's like I'm going to sit down and write a book. Um, that's not what happened. What happened was I used to write um, on a website, basically a blog called UFO Mystic or UFO Mystic, which was where I first actually uh, heard heard about Red Pill because he was commenting mm-hmm. um, from 2000, like around right before Christmas of 2006 to about 2010, mid 2010, something like that was my last post. Post number 666, actually. Nah. I put yeah, I put up 666 posts and then I stopped. Um, and I realized, you know, in the last year or so, um, Nick Redfern and Paul Kimball kept kicking me and saying, "Why don't you get that stuff and collect it and put it in a book?" I mean, nobody's ever going to see it. And I was like, "Well, it's online." And then I realized that it might not always be online, and maybe that it's a good idea for a book because I, you know, I worked hard on that thing. I. I Pulled all the stuff off of archive.org um, until before it disappeared. It's gone now. You can't even get it online, which actually is kind of good for me. <laughs> um, and I paid the um, copyright holder because I didn't even own my own writing. So I, I just paid him to, to, to uh, get it back <laughs> so that I owned it outright. And, um, and then I just went through. I mean, it was something like. I mean, the stuff I pulled from the from the uh, that was left, which was about probably eighty to ninety percent of it, that I was able to pull off the archive.org was um, it turned. I think it was like a hundred and twenty or one hundred and thirty thousand words. Wow! To give you an example, a normal like two hundred fifty page book is about seventy thousand words. Yeah. So, so I pulled I pulled all that stuff off there. I got I and then I went through and picked stuff that was you know not just like. You know, here's a link to a flying saucer video, or you know, you know, this just happened now. I mean, think news reports and all that. I pulled off all my information. I mean, my um, opinion pieces, my theory pieces, my historical, um, all the stuff about um, UFO and government interactions and secrecy and spies and all that. Um, I just got all that stuff uh, and then spent like three months editing it down, making sure that. Making making sure that it was you know there wasn't something like well yesterday on UFO Mystic and I, I took out all these references and tried to find all the links so if there was still something there people could look it up um, take out the links that were no good anymore things like that um, and then I put dates on all of them because I kind of wanted to, people to know when I'd written these things yeah um, like somebody will say well this is a great idea I wonder why nobody's written about it before and my answer would be I did in two thousand seven. Um, not like any of my ideas are, orig- are original. They're, we always build on other people's. But um, and then you know, in, just so it wouldn't be just this like you know you uh, uh, not sorry uh, reprint uh, retread tread of everything that had been online. Even though you can't get it now, I wrote uh, three new pieces. Uh, I found a bunch of old stuff that had never been published or was extremely unknown or was published once in print and went away. And I added those in too, so it wasn't just a rehash. And and then um, and that was it. And then um, Red Pill showed me a couple pictures he drew, and I said, "Do you want to do the illustrations?" And he did a first class job. Nice. So so it's all your work then in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. all it, yeah. it, it's all my writing. You know, most of it, most of it from the period two thousand six to two thousand ten, but. A few before that, I've got stuff that I written wrote in the '90s. I got stuff from like 2001 to 2000, and I got stuff I wrote 
two months ago. So what was it like going through all that old stuff and, and reading your own works from so far ago? Um, I realized that I thought of a lot and very heavily about things um, for some reason for a silly blog online. And I don't know why I did that. Oh, well, I do because... When they asked um, Nick Redfern, actually, he suggested that I write for the blog when the owner of the, the former owner of the blog, whose name I cannot remember, asked him because they, they first they asked Nick, do you want to do this blog thing? We need one more person. And he suggested me. Craig um, Woolheater. Uh, it wasn't Craig Woolheater. Craig Woolheater oh, sorry. Is, was the, for, the owner, the present owner who I bought the rights from. Oh, uh, His brother and another person uh, who had, I guess, was part of an Internet like. Um, uh, what's the word? They they had a bunch of ventures and companies internet based, and one of them was let's yeah. see if we can make money out of a UFO blog. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I knew I would never make any money off the damn thing. But the, hey, you get sirens here, just like my show. Can you yeah. Hear them? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he comes on the show and brings yeah. the sirens. There with you him. Go. Yes. <laughs> That's corrobor- co- corroborative proof there. Yeah. a little bit. So the, the, so. You know, he they signed us up. They put us. Uh, they made a signed contract. Made us. We signed contracts, and wow, it's loud. <laughs> Where we are signed they? contracts, and LA. I basically just. In, I started out. Yeah. Huh. No, go ahead. You started out. Um, I started out um, writing. You know, I started right out of the gate. Like, you know, what are my favorite UFO books? You know, what are the twenty most important dates in ufology? Um, you know, all these things. Uh, and then over the course of four years, especially in probably 2007 and eight, I really, I mean, when I, I would think of a subject and I would sit there and torture my, not torture myself, but I would take some time and write something that, that, um, for some reason, all these things that I wanted to say came tumbling out of me. And by 2010, everything I wanted to say was finished. So did, so, did it all make sense to you now still, or did you, did you look at some of those ideas or some of those thoughts and then question them or did you see any uh, trend or evolution in your thinking? Not really. I saw it moving more towards what my ideas are now, which are stated in the beginning of the book about, um, uh, let me look. I don't even know what my idea is now. <laughs> uh, there is an, I'll read it. It's like three little paragraphs. Do you yeah, mind? Yeah, yeah, perfect. There are a few concepts I currently use as working models for the study of UFOs. In essence, these ideas are not original to me and been, have been dealt with in other forms by other people. And this is your, your question, what, you know, how did it affect me and what what did I come to and whatever, uh, how, how did I feel at the end of it? Um, that was your question, right? Yeah. 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 This, is, this is what happened as a result of writing all this stuff. There is an as, number one, I don't really have numbers, but this paragraph. There is an as yet unknown non-human intelligence or consciousness that interacts with us from time to time and probably has been for the entire history of humanity. Um, two, there is no real, vel- real verifiable evidence that UFOs and apparent associated beings come from other planets. Three, beliefs, psychology, cultural bias, and many other intangibles determine what we remember when we have an encounter with the unknown. The memories become the data points. We wrap our metaphors around the experience and encode it with language. Uh, three, there's only two more, through retelling and recall, recall, the original experience is continuously extrapolated till it probably bears little resemblance to what actually happened. This may occur within the first few minutes after the event. I'd probably add, and during the event. Um, UF, three, UFO and paranormal, or is that four? That's four, one, two, but that's okay. Four. Anyway, UFO and paranormal researchers are determining the nature of the phenomenon by studying it and interviewing witnesses, etc., while front-loading their bias. 
And finally, encounters with the unknown, if they truly, if they are truly the result of an external stimulus, which may be conscious or intelligent, could be over 90% witness created. That is, we are probably mixing our expectations with the intent or lack of intent of any non-human consciousness. That's the, that's how I, that, that's the, uh, that's how I came to those conclusions was writing for UFO Mystic for, you know, almost five years. Yeah. And yeah. most of that is contained in the book. Nice. So can you read the second one again? I, I gapped out there. Okay. The second paragraph, just, I think it was something about ETs, that one. What? There's no real verifiable evidence that UFOs and apparent associated beings come from other planets. Is that what number two was? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Good. No, that's great. That's interesting. So that's, and I, I do emphasize those are working hypotheses. Is is it's not, uh, it's not something where I was like, this is it, because the minute you say this is it, and I know you're, you're screwed, because in five minutes or five years or ten years, you will be completely, hopefully, behind the times unless you adapt, especially with the weirdness like this. Yeah, not only that, there, there won't be a this is it. There, there, like, I feel like. When I think about my own sighting and a lot of other sightings out there, like there's there's not a lot of data that's going to come forward or a lot of information that's going to give us the answers anyways. Like I've sort of just accepted that those answers aren't going to come for a lot of this stuff. Well, I don't think – I think they probably will, but it's not going to come from us collecting data on lights in the sky. It's going to come on us finding out how we how we perceive these lights in the sky and more importantly things that are closer and – where our perceptions come from and how we report them. I mean, the stuff I just said there, I think that's that might be where the any kind of understanding lies. Yeah, I guess we shouldn't say answer. We should say understanding or progress. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, right now I'm uh, that that's the fit, that's the end of that answer. So next, <laughs> sometimes you don't know. I was kind of giving Red, I was giving Red a shot to, to jump in there. Sure. Oh. <laughs> well, um, obviously, you, Greg, are uh, trying to uh, tread the razor-thin <laughs> edge of what we can choose to call the excluded middle aspect of, of what we now call the paranormal, you know, which uh, is sure to piss off not only the skeptics, but also the true believers, you know, because you are exactly <laughs> <laughs> because you are willing to willing to admit that there is a lot of uh, expectations and bias that have been pumped up into into our interpretation of the view of a phenomenon for the last sixty, seventy years. But also, you are willing to concede that there really is a truly anomalous origin to what people have been reporting in the skies or maybe even in their own bedrooms uh, and that is not just uh, hoaxes uh, hallucinations or dreams or things or, or, or something that is you know the typical explanation that the skeptics like to throw out you know yeah there, there's a lot of that in there I mean all the stuff you mentioned that, that's mm -hmm. probably a lot of the noise that's in there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for, part of the reason I think there's really something going on is just like I've talked to way too many people. I've talked to way too many people that are a lot smarter than me that think that and told me why. And and the final analysis, it's a lot, it's a lot more interesting and fun to think that way and to see how that works. 
um, while being, you know, careful about what you what you believe in, or at least, you know, getting to a point where you don't have a belief system and your belief systems as much as possible and as much as you can keep a check on it is is a a state of continual um, inquiry uh, mm-hmm. with no idea about, you know, this is what it's going to be. Um, that's why, you know, the, the the thing I was talking about before we came on where, where somebody was saying that I, w- I seem to have uh, gi- given credence to a nuts and bolts explanation for something, specifically some of the triangle, uh, flying triangle things. Um, no, wasn't it to uh, given credence to the ETH? Yeah, well, they, they, they what it was was they were complaining that I was giving credence to a nuts and bolts explanation for some UFOs. It's like, well, oh, I see. I don't know. I don't like that explanation. I'm tired of it, but I'm not going to discount it because you. What the hell can you discount? You really can't discount anything at this point, except you know misperceptions, hoaxes, um, uh, swamp podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're we are talking about the let's say five percent of unexplainable stuff, right? Like I mean, yeah, and, and yeah. that's the stuff that you know the, the stuff that interests me is the stuff that interests me, not not. Uh, not determining whether something is aliens coming coming for other planets or not. It's not that I don't think that's a possibility. I'm sure it's a possibility. Sure, why not? Yeah. But I'm sick of it. <laughs> I'm kind of sick of that explanation because it's 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 been done to death and there's no way to prove it. So why why even look into it anymore, really? There there's some reasons to believe that that could be happening, but it's so much more interesting to think that there's much more to it, and and there is. I mean, there's so many indications that there's much more to it. I think this uh, uh, concept of trying to uh, remove yourself from a really fixed belief system, you know, this is something that all the people that we um, uh, admire in the field, I think, are following that kind of philosophy, and Greg, um, uh, is it true? Well, obviously I know it's true, but uh, <laughs> is this obviously the result of uh, you trying to adopt the philosophy and the ideas from Robert Anton Wilson? Is it not? Yeah, I mean, I, I told uh, I told a couple of people at the Paracast. Paracast sorry, <laughs> the, uh, Paramania uh, thing that that about that influence on me and the thing is that uh, you can you can uh, take all of Robert Anton Wilson's or most of his nonfiction writing um, and distill it into one word doubt <laughs> I, I have a book the, the New Inquisition the first book I read by him which really just I mean it was a game changer for me everybody has a game changer book or interview or something and that was it for me and I met him a few times and one of the times I met him I brought the book for him to sign and all he wrote it in was Greg Doubt Robert Anton Wilson <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. so that is my you know the, that's the basis of everything I, I doubt my I try to doubt myself too you know doubt my own BS <laughs> I don't know how well I do at it but I try I try to be at least aware that I, I have emotional ties to some of my uh, opinions and to be aware that I do I don't know. I noticed that uh, I was just listening to somebody went today too on a podcast, and I was thinking about you, Greg, and Red, and 
and us and some of the people in in the middle, let's just say. And I feel like mm-hmm. being less tied to an agenda or, or a strict hypothesis, I, I feel like it, people are genuinely uh, open and, and following the data. But, but we definitely don't get that reputation from the skeptics. I mean, they would talk about... Skeptics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, I just I don't even know where I was going with that. Just that just that it's refreshing to me that that and I, I can't remember what I was I was listening to another podcast or whatever. They just seem very open about uh, you know not being dogmatic in the view, like oh it could be this and it could be that, but we don't we don't know. Like admitting that you don't know, I guess. Yeah, like yeah. Robert Anton Wilson said, if you think you know what uh, the what is going on, you're probably full of shit. Yep. Exactly. Because the thing is, just to even say that I know what's going on, I mean, you're already encoding your brain into just shutting down and saying, I know what reality is. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess that's fine if you're talking about physics or, well, not even that, but, um, you know, how a car runs or whatever the hell. Uh, But if you're talking about something so weird and squirrely like uh, the paranormal, it's just... What about C said? It's really dumb to say I know because you're gonna. There's gonna be fifty people. There's gonna be a hundred people who can who can who can knock you down really quickly. Yeah. What about C SETI and stuff? Well, actually, I was gonna just mention That's that there. I, I was gonna mention that because don't point at me. I I can <laughs> see why. Like I can see why people gravitate towards the extraterrestrial hypothesis, and I. I'm, I agree with you, Greg. I think there's a number of things going on, and one of them may be ETs, but there's all kinds of other stuff as well. And that's what my skeptical you know, friend would say as well. But I can see why people go to the ETH, because I, I've been out to a number of CSETI, I call them just practices in Calgary or whatever. We, we do a couple of them up on the hill over here. Not and, we. Um, not we, not <laughs> me and Darren, but me and other groups of people. And, you know, these people are doing this all over the world. There's over 120 groups of people meditating on, uh, on you know, contacting ETs. I mean, Alan Greenfield even talked about it on your show a little bit, not in that, that term, like contacting yeah. ETs, but in contacting other intelligence, let's say. Yeah. And, then, and then shit happens to people when they do this. Like, I was out there on the hill in the, last summer, mm-hmm. and we're doing our protocols and all that. And I saw, and it's nothing spectacular. It was a flash bulb, like they say, that's that I never ever have seen in the sky before. I'm always looking at the sky, but it's a flash bulb up there. It goes off three or four times. There's a bunch of us on this side of the circle that see it. A little bit later on, there's one on the other side of us that the people on the other side of the circle see. And I don't know what that is, but I, I you know, I'm not going to make a conclusion on oh that's ET. But I mean, I don't know what it, it wasn't a plane. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, wasn't really anything um, prosaic right off the bat. Um, But you can see why other people would. This stuff's happening all over the world to people when they focus on contacting ET. But yet, you know, there's not really a craft coming down to videotape. There's just a bunch of high strangeness and some crazy lights in the sky and, you know, some flash bulbs or some auditory hallucinations or whatever, even telepathic downloads. So, I mean, you can see why people could go there. Yeah. Um, I haven't done that. Um, I think the source of that, of, of the C SETI stuff, is uh, the Greer is insane. Um, <laughs> but having said that, 
I also realize that when people go out and start doing things to change the environment of their consciousness or their receptivity or whatever, ritualizing behavior like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. it has effects. Yeah. I've seen it have effects. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to say it comes from aliens or whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I, there's something in the book about the, and then uh, Red Pill actually illustrated about people being making crop circles and stuff happening to them while they're faking crop circles, like lights flying around or strange feelings or, you know orbs floating over them and stuff and they're like we're out here faking <laughs> yeah. these crop circles and this crap's happening because they're performing a kind of ritual that has a very has a lot of cultural energy or whatever you want to call it encoded into it and that's the you know i and the fact that people this that do the c-study protocols get some sort of you know i don't think they're lying i don't think you're lying um, get some sort of reaction means that there's there's a intimate connection between our brains and whatever the hell is causing the stuff that you see you know yeah, you got to yeah. see when you do that there, there, there's got to be um, and if, if you weren't doing that I, I'm pretty sure that those flashes wouldn't have happened the other thing I think is if somebody was standing a quarter mile away I bet they couldn't see those flashes yeah yeah that's the even thing. if they were standing 100 feet away and you didn't say anything I bet they couldn't see them you know, but th this is not, this is just anecdotal, of course, but it's multiple people seeing the same thing. And, and, you know, I've been in C-City groups where we haven't all seen the same thing, just like sort of what you're talking about. But in this yeah. case, let's just say there was a few of us that saw this. Yeah. And, you know, but that's not good enough for skeptics on any level, right? Like for me, well, that's it just, is, it's, it's not good enough. No, it's but I mean, it's, it's just, thing, but. no, but it's just, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, there's anecdotal evidence, and well, they, they won't even call it evidence, but let's just say uh, anecdotal accounts of yes. this stuff. Like, I'm talking the stuff that falls within the 5% category happening all over the world. Yeah. And it's happening, and, and it's still just not enough because there's no hard evidence, but it, it still means something to me. Like, to me, the skeptical community is missing out on the biggest part of the picture, which is that that it's just there's all yeah. this going on and I know they've heard it over and over but you can't just the ignore you person. can't just ignore that anecdotal stuff and put it in a bucket and just forget about it like it means something and it doesn't mean that there's this answer or that answer but it's just frustrating and I mean this is just on my on my mind because uh, I've been you know email, in this email exchange back and forth talking about the stuff and it's just to right. me to me it's a big a big gap there well, there is a big gap. I mean, if he came out there and did what you were doing and saw what you saw, I bet he still would think it was something prosaic. That, yeah, exactly. You know, and it's so it, the the thing is with a lot of these things is it, I go back to that Whitley Strieber thing is that if, if something's going on and there is some kind of intelligence behind it, he says it's doing things in the most democratic way possible on an individual basis. My idea is sort of that, but it's also that um, you're so intimately connected with what's going on, there's no way you can communicate that to somebody else, even if they're standing right next to you when it happens. Because you're, you're as long, if it's something really close, I bet you don't remember it the same way. Um, and, you know, even if you do, it's probably because you talked about it afterwards. Well, uh, it's like just so subjective that it does not, you can't reproduce it on demand, you can't reference it to something. Um, so it's like it, it's not in an area that science is is good with right now, and and it, but the, and so the, I think there's going to be this gap for a long time, maybe forever, between a scientific method of investigating what's going on and a 
you know, um, psychological uh, uh, witness-based, what's the word? Something that takes those things into account and uses them as data points, even if they're so ridiculously apart from each other that you can never get an exact match. Um, Like somebody sees somebody run run in a room with a knife, somebody says a giant knife, somebody will see a pen knife, somebody will see something else, but we all agree it's a knife. When you're talking about something unknown, (laughs) what the hell... What kind of categories are you going to put them in, except the ones that have been named for us by our friends, by the culture, by readings, by the history of ufology, all that? I, I agree with you. So I, I had this sighting, this other sighting in, in Israel that we talk about on the show a little bit. And I con- I finally got in contact with a couple of the people that I had the sighting with. And this sighting changed my life pretty much. I mean, now when I look back on it, especially, it had a big impact on, on my path. Yeah. And these two uh, women that were with me at the time... And it was just a minor email exchange. Like they barely remembered me and, and they just, they basically didn't even, it didn't even impact them at all. Like they were like, oh yeah, I don't know what it was. I just chalked it up to maybe too many beers or something like that. Like they just totally discounted. They barely even remembered the, the event. And, and for one me, I never responded. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Uh, that was a different, he wasn't there that night. That was a oh. different guy. I haven't got a hold of my one friend that, that we were really in Israel at the time who, who was with me. We talked about it quite a bit afterwards. So it'd be interesting to see what he remembers out of it. I mean, it really would be good kind of experiment. Like I've got it drilled into my head of what happened, but it'd be interesting to see what he thought. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, to where that somebody said that they had uh, I was I, I think it was on an interview now I can't remember maybe Red Pill will but I was oh. talking to somebody and he said that he had gone had a very strange experience and there were and it was a, a hunting expedition and the one of the uh, the upshot of it was one of the people that was there that witnessed whatever it was told them he wasn't even with them the next day. <laughs> Wow. When they came over to talk to him and say, "Can you you want to discuss what's happened?" I think it might be a Bigfoot sighting. Yeah, they thought it was Bigfoot sighting. So they were going over to the guy's house to ask him, you know, what his opinion was of what happened. And he said, "I I didn't go hunting with you guys." <laughs> you cannot remember this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um and and the funny thing was, his father said, "Yes, you did. You were with them yesterday. What are you talking about?" And he wow. said, "No, I wasn't." <laughs> so you know, either one. He didn't see what was going on, or I mean, I mean, either one. He just his mind just blocked it out like a trauma, a traumatic experience, which you your mind will block out. People will do that, or two, he just consciously didn't want to acknowledge it, so he just just you know flat out saying lying and saying I wasn't there was his way of dealing with it. You know, this is something that I've been constantly thinking about uh, for the last uh, I don't know few years. The fact that this sort of weird experiences are happening all the time but only a few individuals not noticing them or 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 they consider them to be life-changing yeah, i don't know is there something about uh your background your personality you know your interests you know so uh, so many people are just Preoccupied with, I don't know, making ends meet. We trying to to climb uh, the financial ladder to success. So they don't have any time or even inclination to try to bother in such uh, quote unquote nonsense as UFOs or the brand. But there are some people 
for whom those ideas of trying to have material su success are never really that important, if, even if they don't know it yet. And maybe th those people are the ones who really are affected by these uh, events when they happen to them. And, and maybe that's the point. I don't know. Maybe this is some kind of... Uh, Wake-up call. May maybe a wake-up call and, 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 and an evolutionary process. You know I mean? Like, I don't know. The, uh, maybe this is too arrogant for me, but there, there are some... <laughs> uh, 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 fishes that notice something about I don't know. Oh my God, the water level in the pond is is uh, is going down. You know, I better do something. I better trying to change. And those are saying, no, 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 it's fine. You know, and 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 the ones who notice, maybe they are the ones who have a bigger chance to become uh, amphibians, <laughs> to become frogs, and and to try to survive. And the other ones will be the ones who you know. Uh, 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 Dry, uh, drown or, or, or end up drying uh, uh, in the sun. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, what I'm trying to say, I, I think, here is that what we are fascinated up, uh, upon this, the paranormal aspect, some people think that it's something so strange that happens to only a handful of people. My idea is that it's happening all the time to everybody, but only a few people know truly, truly notice it, and only even a fewer people are uh, fu uh, really fundamentally transformed by it. Yeah. Although, I, you know, I, I don't know about, I, I don't, I don't feel like if something like that happens to me that I feel like I've been, you know, my first impulse, because this is me, would be to say, I'm not special. It's just that I've I've seen something. You know, I've never really had I've had one like real UFO experience, which I describe in the book. And it was it wasn't even a close encounter. The thing was probably half a mile away. And it was broad daylight, too, which was kind of weird. But um, I don't feel like I was selected for anything personally because um, I had the I had the interest when I was a kid. I mean, I was I was reading and UFO and strange phenomena books when I was like eight, ten years old, and I read tons of them. Um, and I, 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 I but the, yeah, because the thing is, I never had that little that conversion experience, so I don't know how I react. Right, right, right. Can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? I don't know if I've heard that story. I went. When was this? Probably six or so years ago. My paragliding instructor. Um, was being paid by the Disney Corporation to get a pilot's license uh, to do work for them, um, which I, I won't go into right now. Um, but uh, we, well, I will. He, he uh, helped invent a flying dragon that flew around Disney World and shot and, and shot uh, and waved its had flapping wings and waved its head around and shot fire out its mouth. Nice. Nice. Uh, it was basically being towed. It was being. It was a motorized paraglider that was painted black. He's painted black. He had like black everything, all this black stuff on the the motor and everything was painted black. And they had it far enough away, and they put a spotlight on it. It looks like a dragon flying around the magic Cinderella's castle at at Disneyland with fire shooting out of its mouth. Nice. Look it up online. It's, it's, God, it's amazing. 
Anyway, to be paid for that, he had to have a commercial pilot's license. He did not. So Disney was paying him to have a commercial pilot's license. I wasn't working at the time. And he said, well, if there's any time you ever want to go for a ride in the airplane, and because um, I just got to build up hours, just tell me. I said, call me every single time. So this was one of the times he called me. I went up paragliding for the day, and then we ran over to the airport, got in the airplane, and took off. And he was going to do maneuvers and do, like, you know, strange diving towards the ground and, you know, people throwing up kind of maneuvers, which I really like. So <laughs> we went up, um, and the turbulence was so bad that we actually went weightless in our seats a few times. That, that was fun. And then we <laughs> came back and landed, and the wind was doing very strange things at that point, um, scary stuff if you're in the air. Um, so we landed. We discussed how strange the wind was, and it changed direction 180 degrees while we were standing there, which was really weird. Um, and we said bye. I got in my car, and I was driving. I was getting on the freeway, and I look. I'm turning on this on ramp, and I look over to my to my right towards the like northwest towards the beach area, like right over the beach, and right near the end of the runway is this shape that looks like. It looks like the spokes of a wheel, except it's like it's it's as if you took five massive shiny black. I mean, sorry, eight, one, two, three, four, four massive shiny black um, pencils like they were faceted like that with the you know six sides or whatever hmm. and join them in the middle. Um, so it looks like, you know, it's almost like a compass, but they're all equidistant, like eight arms for four. four, four you know, eight arms coming out of the middle. You know, one, uh, north, south, east, west, north, south, northwest, southwest, that kind of yeah. configuration. Eight equal distantly spaced arms. And then on one side of it was a line coming out with equidistantly spaced little rectangular shaped things. And it was totally black. But it was also shiny. I could see the light glinting off it because it was almost sunset. So, you know, like I said, it was still light. It was probably 15 minutes before sunset. And this was like a quarter mile away from me, I guess. So I guess the thing was like, you know, maybe a couple hundred feet across. And it was vertical. It was the, 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 the arms were sitting up vertically, a hundred, you know, like a, a perpendicular to the ground with that little thing sticking out, the, perpen, the little thing with the rectangular shapes on it. So somebody said, oh, it's a kite. It's like it, it was windy and that thing was still. It did not move. It was like it was attached to something. And it was up above the beach at the end of one of the runways. In fact, the run did we, runway we'd taken off at, it looked like it was the end of that one. And if it was, even if it was near it, we would have seen it when we were taking off. We took off right over it, like what? Half an hour, 45 minutes before. So it wasn't there then. And the stupid thing that happened is I looked at it for a while and I went, huh, that's interesting. And then I got in my car and went home. Yeah. Well, it's stupid. I, I mean, it's the kind of thing that is reported over and over again. You know, this uh, irrational way of uh, reacting to something that is truly anomalous. Because it was the aliens, like, controlling my mind, dude, and telling me <laughs> to leave. Totally, dude. Or the maybe aliens. it's the way that the mind reacts when it's conf confronted by totally so well alien, you know, that do... Yeah, uh, but I just, all I did was look at it and say, huh, that's really weird. I wonder what that is. And I didn't even think UFO or I should report it or anything <laughs> like that. I just got in my car and said, oh, I got to get home because the traffic's going to get bad. And I left like an idiot. So three days later, I came back. Of course, it wasn't there. I went and looked around the place. There was no indication of anything. I called the airport. They said nobody had seen anything. I called the I called the um, Santa Barbara, uh, UC Santa Barbara, uh, University of California, Santa Barbara there because it was right out right outside one of their front gates. 
they said they weren't doing anything on campus and there nobody was testing anything as far as they knew um, and nobody else had said anything or called them so did i hallucinate it was it something totally mundane if it was it wasn't there when i went back three or four days later since i'm just a pattern seeking human yeah according to the skeptics does that correspond with uh, you stopping your blog at all because it seems like it could have been the same year anyways no no it was right in the middle of it oh was it oh, okay yeah i reported it and i drew a picture of it which subsequently was lost i didn't know where it was the, the picture that's in there now i drew again you know this yeah. i was going to put the book out just so there was an illustration because what i the way i describe it is it, it's really hard to tell exactly what it's really hard to describe it without drawing it and it was you know it was a, it was a very strange shape I, I reported it to uh what the peter davenport uh, the National UFO Reporting Center or whatever it is, I, I sent a report into him and they said that they'd never had another report like that and they'd called a few people around there and they said they didn't. They had no idea nobody else had said anything. There weren't any other reports about it. So, and it, you know, it's not like there was nobody there. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's an airport there, there's a university there and there's people driving around there. Um, it's not deserted. It's right so I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if I hallucinated it or what, but I definitely saw it. Hmm. And I stopped the car and actually got out and looked at it for a little while. It's not like I just drove and saw it. I stopped and stood next to the road and looked at it, trying to figure out what it was. And then I just went huh, and left like an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> when I see my UFO, I barely even did that. Really? What'd you do? We took a break from smoking the joint. We were like, huh? <laughs> Well, there you go. We stated it on pot, so yeah. you, we can throw yeah. this out. <laughs> yeah. Everybody hallucinates on pot. That's well known, right? Oh, God. So go we were just like, whoa, did you see that? And it wasn't really anything. It looked like a satellite, kind of, but it was broad daylight. And uh, we were oh. watching it, and we were like, oh, look at that, a satellite. And then it uh, turned, turned, turned to the north. Yeah, it was headed west to east or east to west or something. I can't remember. And then it turned and fucked off north and was just gone. We were like, whoa. <laughs> and that was about as far as it went. I actually mentioned it to Tim there a few while ago, and he was like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. But, but that's it. None of us gave a shit. Past what, how, big, how big was it like? It looked like a satellite. It looked like a star, maybe like oh, Venus. Oh, like okay, Venus. Okay. Like a star in the daytime kind of? Yeah, like Venus probably, huh. Venus-ish. Huh. I thought it was just the sun. Like the sun was, it was probably around... Six o'clock, you know, so the sun was with us. I assumed it was just the sun kind of shining off of a satellite in some weird way, and I'd never seen that during the during the day. During yeah. the day, so but huh. maybe I should report it. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I reported mine, it. and it was I went back to move on to check, and it wasn't there. So I don't know when they lost uh, it or uh, when they, you know. I think that what's more important than you know filing up. Yet another report is try to gauge on the personal impact that such events cause on the witness. And that's why I feel, uh, Graham, that you will agree with people like Greg that trying to uh, focus our attention not on the, on the lights in the sky or even the trace evidence in the ground, but on the witnesses themselves will probably uh, yield... Uh, more valuable data to use in order in order to try to understand the phenomenon a little better. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I, I don't think the uh, I think that would go against what the skeptics would suggest we do. 
Yeah, well, you know, you were mentioning this earlier, believers and skeptics or fundamentalist skeptics, as I call them. I've gotten to the point where I really don't, I don't really give a shit what skeptics or believers think anymore. Yeah. I'm sort of on my own kind of path here, and I, I think I'm skeptical enough to realize when I'm I'm fooling myself. I hope, but when somebody says, you know, you're you're. I'm at a point where a believer and the skeptic both look at me and say, like I'm insane and say, why are you even worrying about that stuff? And so I kind of know I'm on the right path. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? You might be right there because the uh, my, my I'm looking at the date of the UFO sighting. It was um, April 3rd, 2011, and I stopped, I stopped writing at the blog uh, in September of 2011. So it was near the end of it. Wow. Ah, ah some completion. I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like it had any effect on what I was doing and thinking or whether I ran out of ideas or not. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm too close to it. <laughs> mm -hmm. When did you start the podcast? You mean the, the uh, you mean my pod? My, yeah. My thing or the book? Yeah, uh, your thing. My, my audio interviewing people? Yeah. Um, sometime in late 1998. Oh, is that okay? So it's not like I was just wondering if you kind of quit writing, but then you started got into audio, into yeah. audio big time. No, I mean the the audio started at the end of the run of my magazine, near the end of it, and that was just I was on a pirate radio station for two years till the FCC shut it down. <laughs> um, and the first you know first year or so or a few months, I did the shows. I was just doing. I was just playing weird music or music I liked or whatever. And then, uh, very uh, soon after that, I, I did a few interviews on the. I, I one of my earliest ones was with Scott Corrales. Um and my show was on at like four in the morning, or like two to four or something like that, or three to five, or it was ridiculous time in the middle of the night. But uh, people listened. I mean, the the, the 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 station actually won best radio station in Los Angeles, and it was an illegal station. <laughs> the L.A. Weekly voted it, or the Weirders voted it as their favorite station in L.A., and it was an illegal station. Um, because there was all kinds of people on there. I think one of the guys from uh, one of the guys from the Red Hot Chili Peppers had a show, or um, mm. it, it was a very eclectic thing. It was it was right in the middle of Silver Lake, where all the hipsters were, and all that. And tons of people with all kinds of different shows and interviews. Just nobody, no rules whatsoever. It was great. Um, then the FCC shut it down. And a few months after that, uh, my friend that had got me on that, um, my friend Bennett, uh, said, hey, there's a there's an internet radio station starting up here, like in October of 2000. Um, so that was my first uh, internet show was October of 2000. And I just recorded them. Uh, on cassette tapes and there was no way to post them online really so for like a few years I did it that way and then I decided to you know organize myself probably around 2005 or 6 or something and I started posting a few of them on this site called radioforall.net which is still exists some of my old shows are on there from like 2006 or 7 or 8 um, and then I think around in 2009 or 10 I Got the I got the RadioMysterioso.com domain. I've set up the website, and it's been in existence ever since then. Yeah. Do you, do you think there's still a good demand for uh, on-air, like live internet radio, or do you think most of it's moving to on-demand? Like, we've played around with it a little bit. 
going yeah. li live and stuff like that. But yeah. so much of our audience now is just on demand. And me personally, I think it's a personal thing as well that I don't, I can't listen to stuff live really with my yeah. schedule. So I, I'm, I force myself to listen on demand. So I guess that's kind of where we go. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's already a foregone conclusion that on demand is, is pushing everything out of the way. I mean, it, it, for TV and music and everything, well, music is a little different thing, but, um, well, yeah, still, no, you're right. Media, though. Yeah. Almost, almost all media is on demand now. So yeah, I don't, I don't have any problem with that. The thing is I like doing it live and, uh, I've been doing it that way for a long time. And the, when I can do it, um, still do it because it's, it's become more difficult now. Um, I still like doing live shows. I, I just like them. I like the way they feel when I'm when I'm interviewing somebody. Just uh, just recording an interview and people aren't listening. Yeah, there's a different dynamic, and I don't enjoy it as much. Huh. Um, I'll probably you know I, since I, I'm working two Sundays a month for Coast to Coast, and I can't do the shows those days, and so that like wipes out two of my shows during the month. So, um, and this month, it's really weird. I'm working this Sunday for Coast to Coast. Then the Sunday after that, I'm being interviewed on Coast to Coast. And then the Sunday after that, I'm working on Coast to Coast again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you're going to be on Coast to Coast as well. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I, the, um, I found out that George Knapp, who gave me a really nice write-up, like blurb for the back of the book, like way better than I thought he would. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, when I when I finished the book, I said, hey, and at that point, I'd been working with him for a little bit, for a couple of months. You know, I'm on his show once or twice a month. I work with him on 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 his broadcast for on Coast to Coast. You know, we email beforehand and we set up news stories, and I discuss with him what he might want to use and all that. And at one point, I said, "Hey, George, when I finish this book, you know, um, would you?" I said, "One, could you give me a blurb for the back cover of the book? And two, would you be interested in having me on the show?" And he said, "Yes to both. Send me the book, and we'll and when I get it, we'll set up a time." Great. <laughs> Hey, uh, Red, do you still want to get into this? Uh, do you want to get into this email quickly? Yeah, why not? Not quickly, but I kind of want to address it because I, I, I'm sort of stuck in this, uh, this thing right now, and I would like both your opinions on this because I, you know, I kind of know where I'm at. But and I, and I realize, Greg, that uh, you know we've kind of brought up the skeptic and believer kind of thing a little bit, but yeah. but yeah. let's just let's just read a couple paragraphs. I'd like to get your take on on this. And I'm sure Jason doesn't mind, and he can chime in after this, and we can have him. I actually invited him on the show, and he's starting up his own podcast, and oh, cool. he wants to have us on. But, you know, he's a, he's probably, a med like Red said, a medium-ass skeptic. I mean, I don't want to put labels on him, but... What so he's, level of skeptic am I? You're not even on the I'm not on the spectrum. radar? Perfect. You're a middle skeptic. Uh -huh. No, you're... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe small less. I don't know. You're skeptical about about some stuff. So, anyways, well, the thing is, you you get this dichotomy of believer and skeptic. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's already setting up this like it's setting up a, a what's the what's the word? It's setting up a dynamic Pol polarization. It's, it's kind of a yeah. It's kind of it's kind of a disservice to the to the phenomenon and understanding it. I think I don't know exactly how, but I think you all know what I'm, I yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here, so here he goes. He says, "You guys discussed some interesting topics with RPJ that he wanted to touch on." So this yeah. just this just came in, and it's basically from our last intro that we talked about with uh, with Red. So he says, first, I don't want to give the impression that I'm attacking RPJ, but I think he echoes some things in the paranormal community has on its mind. There's this common and growing popular idea to move away from what you guys call the nuts and bolts paranormal investigation and more of the so-called high strangeness, trying to tie in different phenomena like 
interdimensional travel or ghosts or even Bigfoots to UFOs and whatnot. Consciousness and all these other more ephemeral ideas and trying to find data to back up and support claims. It's my personal belief that this is at least in part, and I'm willing to go out on a limb and say a large part, because of the failure to develop substantial evidence to support these claims and the ongoing battle with more skeptical thinking and science-minded communities to provide evidence. I think this sort of strongly juxtaposes your personal stance and mine, in fact, but feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. It makes sense to me. The UFO phenomena, for example, has been popular for what now, 60 years? In slightly more than a half a century, we still have to rely on anecdotes, blurry pictures, and claims that very rarely seem to provide the evidence perceived to maintain any interest in this topic. It is the same for other such phenomena, and in fact, for others, the evidence is really mounting against the concepts as they've stood for decades. Hence, a shift to more hard-to-pin-down, more philosophical set of concepts to try and explain something that so far appears to defy any rational explanation. So, first of all, it doesn't, it doesn't reflect my belief. He, I think he, he thinks that... Um, I don't know if he thinks that I'm, I'm agreeing with that or not, but I, I don't agree with that personally, but I'd love to hear what you guys think. Why? Well, okay, can I, so, cause I, I can explain why, because I think that okay, it's kind of what I said earlier is that it's not because of a, you know, I don't think we're looking for, for this, uh, hmm, this more consciousness aspect of it because of the lack of evidence. I think that there's be, it's an acceptance that there isn't going to be evidence. And, and if, if, if you can't measure it scientifically, they, he seems to want to just, and, and a lot of the skeptics seem to want to just move that, move that aside if it's not measurable by scientific means right now and just pretend that it doesn't exist. Or it's got to have a, an explanation, rational explanation, but for now... It says we don't know, and for me, that I I just think that it's it's missing the whole point. That there's you know just to just to leave that aside for now seems to be I don't know not doing it service. Okay, let's start with this paragraph then. Uh, so he's um, telling how there seems to be a growingly popular idea to move away from. Uh, a given explanation that is the nuts and bolts one into a tr high strangeness and to trying to tie in together uh, what he seems to think are uh, separate mysteries or phenomena, ghosts, Bigfoot, UFOs, and whatnot. First of all, this is something that even scien scientists are trying to do. If you think about it, they're always trying to explain away similar phenomena by saying why people like to believe in irrational beliefs they, and they try to come up with some kind of theory of why uh, some people are attracted to things that science dismiss or think there are nothing but folklore or uh, hoaxes, disinformation or even uh, uh, almost religious systems. So, well, the fact that if the if a scientist tries to come up with some kind of unifying field theory of the paranormal, that seems to be okay. But if a paranormalist tries to do the same, well, you know, he's then just reaching. That to me is like well, uh, double double uh, standards or something to me like that. And it's not like 
we have like grown tired. Well, yes, we have grown tired about some of the explanations that have been around for the last 60 years of thought. So what my position is right now, and I think it echoes Greg's, is that we feel that people in, in, in these fields haven't paid attention to the totality exactly. of what's happening in the phenomenon. And that includes what we seem to call the high strangeness. You know, we we feel that people in ufology, even cryptozoology, in people who are interested in ghosts, they have try they have ended up uh, doing a cherry picking of the evidence they have managed to gather and only highlight the ones that agree with their particular pet theory, <laughs> and that may, has a great disservice because by throwing away a part of your database then you are uh, skewing it, yeah? you are partializing it, and you are probably bound to come to an incomplete and, most importantly, a wrong conclusion about what's really going on. So th- my personal point is, let's look into all of the evidence, and if th- that evidence seems to, s- to show or seems to suggest some kind of interesting correlations between what we uh, for so long thought were uh, separate phenomena, cryptozoology, ufology, parapsychology, then, well, let's see into that. Let's see, because isn't that what science is all about, trying to come about with some kind of unifying theories? It's what's happened with uh, energy, you know, coming up with what what's the thing that binds together uh, the weak uh, nuclear forces and with the strong nuclear forces with uh, electric forces and magnetism forces that's what now we call it electromagnetism and now with the, the big challenge in science is to try to come up, to combine all these together and bind them with gravity that is uh, still something that they haven't done so but they are striving to do it it's always trying to come up with their uh, the basic or the uh, what is what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, the, the the simplest common denominator, maybe is that the unified one. field theory of whatever you're trying to exactly. You're not trying to find commonalities. It's 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 a, a very basic logic tool in trying to understand the the first thing about trying to understand uh, why some things that diverge from it, from each other is to try to see in which ways they are uh, as, as similar to each other. So, well, let's leave it like, uh, at that for the moment with this first first paragraph. Greg, what do you think? <laughs> A lot of different <laughs> things. All right. Okay. Uh, the main part of it is through all this stuff, you know, what what's that? Who said this? Isaac Newton or something like that, where they were saying that, you know, all the, the stars can't be, or the planets can't be... Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to really show my stupidity here, but um, there was an idea that the that the uh, the Earth was the center of the universe and everything else went around it. Um, but there was a lot of evidence that it moved, and the, the Newton or whoever, or no, it was Galileo, I think. Copernicus. Um, Copernicus. He said, and yet it moves. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You can say anything you want, but I have found evidence that the you know we that that the the Earth is moving; it is not fixed. 
Um, yep. uh, and I've probably taken that. I've probably taken both the quote and the person who said it completely <laughs> out of context. <laughs> but um, my point is that people see these things. People have been seeing them for hundreds of years, probably longer than that. Um, the reports keep coming in. Some of them are a lot closer than others, which the ones that interest me. Um, the fact that there's no explanation for it is should not be grounds to say that there's nothing going on. The only problem is with all this is that um, it doesn't conform to a set pattern. It doesn't conform to how how uh, anything else that can be examined uh, in a rational and scientific way. Um, it's very individualistic and it's based on people's perceptions and not on some some verifiable thing unless you know you talk about radar traces and uh, ground traces and all the physical things that happen um all that taken together indicates to me that there's something going on um the fact that it hasn't been proven physically to exist yet in a way that's acceptable to almost everybody is uh it, that that doesn't matter to me really because it it, it moves there's the people still see the damn things and I'm convinced that at least some of them aren't lying. They aren't misperceiving things. They aren't victims of hoaxes. They aren't, you know, they don't have a, a wishful thinking thing going on where they just force whatever it looks weird into, you know. There's just way too many of those things. There's way too many people saying they see these things. What way percent? What, what would you put the percent at for of out of all the reports? How many do you think are truly unexplainable? I, I really wouldn't know. It's gonna be it's it's gonna be way below ten percent, probably below five. Yeah, but I was the thing is, around that, one. Yeah, you maybe you're right. It's you're probably more right. But I don't think so. I trust people. I trust people more that they're not just they yeah, they, they know 99. what they see. No, no, no. But I mean, I think people know what they see more. Like like that movie from James Fox, whatever. Like I know what I saw. Like I think people can tell the difference between fucking Venus and another light that's doing something crazy yeah. in the sky. When I mean, something lands in front of you and something walks out of it. That's not a light or Venus or something. That's, <laughs> yeah. You know, and that happens a lot. It's happened a lot. And I don't think every one of those people are lying or not perceiving properly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know what's happening. They could be, you know, it could be some kind of fugue state. We don't know about it could be, um, you know, it could be Michael Persinger's thing where, you know, they walk into an area of electromagnetic uh, disturbance and it scrambles their brains. Um, but there's also a history of that stuff happening before, you know, any of that. So, you know, there, there's too many questions and too many unanswered things and too many ways you can not discount it for me to think that it's not there. It's just I, I just uh, and also, I like you know, I, I will admit it appeals to my sense of. You know, we don't know everything, and that's wonderful. And I would love to find out what these things are. And I think in the course of finding out what they are, we're going to find out how we perceive and think about things. Um, I also think that at some point in the future, we're going to have some huge change about how we think about reality and about the how, how the world is put together and how everything fits together physically and how we perceive it. And that's going to be – there's going to be a huge piece of the UFO puzzles drops into place there and UFO UFO researchers are not going to notice it for quite a while. <laughs> also, also uh, I think that uh, probably the thing that I disagree the most with uh, Jason's argument is the fact that uh, taking this sort of stance, you know, the one that Greg and people, well, also myself, 
uh, stand for or you not know, running away from at it at the moment. It's, yeah, it's not it's not quote unquote anti science. If you think about it, this is more uh, uh, in accordance to the most uh, cutting edge uh, sciences uh, statements that have been happening up for the last 50 years. It is maybe anti-science if you think that science hasn't progressed beyond Newton. Yeah, exactly. But it has, you know. It's progressed beyond Newton. It's, it's starting to progress beyond Einstein. And because, why? Because... It started uh, in the 20s. <laughs> yeah, exactly, with quantum More, mechanics. Yeah. And if you... Yeah, if you read... The ideas that the, the people at the forefront of the quantum mechanics, they started to sound a lot like Eastern mystics and starting to say, well, you know what, this, what we are finding out in our experiments seems to suggest that consciousness plays a big role in the nature of reality. Some yeah, people got uncomfortable with that, and that's where we get what Alex Akiris loves to quote: the, "Shut up and calculate." Like, don't worry about the ultimate uh, meaning of of this right now. You know, try to come up with a formula so we can, you know, build a better computer. Well, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to happen, and not not anytime soon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I I don't think that you know the other comment about people running away because there's not enough data. It's not running away. It's just kind of like, well, this really hasn't gotten us anywhere. So let's like look at it at another angle because obviously something is going on. Now, if you keep pounding away at it, saying show us show us the nuts and bolts data and the repeatability, you, <laughs> that that kills the field right there. I mean, it, it, there isn't nuts yeah. and bolts data and repeatability. There isn't. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's it's a yeah. it's a completely perceptual, almost completely, at least as far as I can yeah. tell. There there are a lot of phenomena in nature in which repeatability is not the way to investigate it. I don't know, supernova in in, in astronomy. I mean, how can you try to find repeatability? Yeah, repeatability but you can, you can. It's something that's it's it happens and it's a known quantity and it can be measured and it can be observed and. Um, that data has been collected, sure. and, it, and it's well understood how it could happen. At least now it is, and before it was understood, they, you know, it's like, well, there's something going on in the sky. It's right there. Everybody can see it. So that that kind of leads us into the second paragraph. If we can, if we can just read that, do you want? Because okay. it's it's very much about that stuff. So he says uh, after. After that last sentence, he says, personally, I think this is a problem and a symptom of the aspect of the paranormal community as a generalization that I do not like. Instead of moving with evidence or lack thereof, there's a habit of denying the evidence or shifting in another direction. Over time, in the face of rational argument, some people have shifted to arguments that are even more unverifiable or immeasurable. And to me, it's just painting. It's more painting themselves in that indefensible corner. If I can't okay. offer, you want to worship at the at the church of of identifiable, repeatable, and measurable, then he's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So he says, if I can't offer an explanation, then I'll offer a hypothesis that is so much more strange. I can claim it can't be explained. I think it's an unfortunate direction. I, for one, find. And even less compelling than something substantial with no explanation. It's basically got to a point where it's now potentially just magic, and that's under and that's uninteresting to me. I don't believe in a nuts. No, I don't believe in a non nuts and bolts concept. You've said in your email 
and in your podcast that some of these things can't be measured by science. And I think that's a misunderstanding of what science is. You might claim that science currently doesn't have the tools to measure a phenomena. Just recently, we, for the first time, measured what we believe to be gravity waves. Up until now, it was something we could only theorize about. Everything and anything substantial can eventually be measured by science with the right tools because science is just a toolbox and it's always growing. There's an idea among skeptics that there's nothing paranormal or outside nature. It's just nature or it's made up. There's no Western medicine versus Eastern or alternative medicine. There's just medicine. Then there's things made up calling themselves medicine. The point is that if it exists, it's a natural phenomena in the way that it can be explained though we may not yet have the understanding to explain it. This is an easy-to-follow concept when it comes to such claims like UFOs or Bigfoot, less so when we discuss such phenomena like ghosts or psychic powers. Well, there's a lot going on in that argument. I mean, in that paragraph, uh, there are a lot of things in which I agree. I mean, I, uh, I have said many, many times that I really dislike the term paranormal because it kind of sets up a... A very arbitrary line in the in, in the ground between what we say is normal nature, you know, the normal things that happen in nature, and that things that go outside of nature. And I think that is just that line is only there to highlight our ignorance about uh, about nature and about the universe. And to say, well, if this thing happens and I don't understand it, well, it's outside nature because I know so much about it. And that's just not the way that science behaves. And, and, and that's why we should try not to use the term uh, so much. Unfortunately, it's very difficult to replace it. You say fortune phenomena, most, um, most people say, huh? But uh, I don't know. I mean... Gravity waves, uh, yeah, obviously they, they have measured it. They're still, you know, it's, it's still uh, not 100% verified, this phenomenon, but uh, I don't know what kind of argument we could make. Uh, how much money was used in order to, to investigate these gravity waves? Millions and millions of dollars. What, how much money has been used in order to devote ourselves to try to investigate the UFO phenomenon? I bet that in the in the last 60 years 60 years or so if it's um, if it amounts to a million dollars globally i will be greatly surprised i i i bet it's even less than that so well uh, maybe that maybe this is a, a strawman argument from a skeptic's point of view but let's just uh, admit that uh, most of the people who are looking into this uh, phenomenon they are uh, amateur researchers and they don't have you know the kind of resources that people that are looking for things like gravity waves or dark energy uh, have at their disposal i think we're at the point that einstein the reason that he says that the gravity he uses a gravity wave uh example which it makes sense to me um einstein proposed that we would see these things but we weren't able to measure it till now yeah I think we're in the 190-whatever, whenever the general theory of relativity was published. Um, With the UFO phenomenon? Yeah, and we haven't even got a, you know, a, a stupid theory for it yet. 
at some point we may have a viable theory and then there may and he said that science can't measure it but he said he can't that they can't measure you know there's things they can't measure yet a lot of times when i said that science can't explain it i almost always say yet because at some point i think that you know either we will change the way we look at things or the the way that things are perceived or um, measured um, in a way that we can't conceive right now but can be theorized and then that theory at some point will be able to be maybe the theory will pull the you know pull the evidence the way of gathering evidence towards it if the if the theory is right it's a testable theory um, and you know I think that's that might be what I'm interested in that might be what, what I'm talking about when I say that we're the instrument that measures the UFO, and we're not even aware how our the stupid instrument goes, how to how to calibrate it or anything. Yeah. Um, and then you know the thing about CSETI, what if you could get out there and get verifiable? Maybe the tuning isn't right yet. <laughs> get out there and tune it right so that something happens every time, so that you can see it, measure it, or or at least take a picture of it. Um, then you'll get a bunch of people interested. You know, thinking about you know what you see what I'm getting at. Yeah, thinking about now that uh, collecting evidence, verifying uh, uh, information, uh, let me tell you something that happened uh, during Paramania. So there was one day, uh, Saturday, in which we did have a, a bit of a, a, a small uh, moment in which Greg, uh, Micah, Joshua, and other people, and, and, and other people were giving us a really small presentation. And one of the people who gave a presentation was actually the actual organizer of this gathering, Steve Ray. And he did a really interesting experiment that I wish that you guys might uh, get to have him and, and Stephanie Kitsch, who was the other person who participated in that experiment, because they managed, seemed to manage to collect, if not... Uh, irrefutable evidence, very compelling evidence that they could actually try to measure and quantify and even try to track uh, synchronistic events uh, during uh, a broad broadcast uh, transmission. In, in, in this particular case, uh, during uh, transmissions of Greg Bishop's Radio Misterioso program. So I don't want to uh, speak more about it because I think that Steve will be better equipped to try to to explain it. But the reason why I'm bring it, bringing it up right now is because uh, it, that to me shows that people with a noble idea and even with small tools at their disposal can, in fact, try to go ahead and do things that's that no one ever thought about and it's something that science could look at it and say yeah well okay this is this is an interesting thing it doesn't require a lot of resources it could be it requires a lot of effort and a lot of time and people willing to devote their time to do it but it can be done and it could be used to try to find evidence for things that people like your friend Jason feel that they have they are not had they're not the concern of science because they are unverifiable. Yeah. So I don't want to get in I don't want to go through the whole email but yeah, do you yeah. want to read that do you want to read that uh, 
That that last paragraph that he's when he where he disagrees with you, Red, or oh, should I? Okay, let me let me open my cell phone one more time. Yeah. Okay, a ver, dónde estamos? This is a problem. Ta, 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 ta. Okay, here I think. Uh, I have and I haven't read this paragraph yet. RPJ made a good point about different approaches and perspectives on things. Certainly, the answers to you aren't as important as they are to me. <laughs> and I understand you're just interested in exploring it for its own sake. I also believe there's a place for that. But like Stanton Friedman, my threshold for buying into a concept is much higher, and I'm less interested in philosophizing about phenomena as I am in what they really are. I mean, there's this, uh, this antagonizing about philosophy that... It really gets on my nerves, but anyway, I can't <laughs> sacrifice my intellectual honesty, so I won't cl claim I know what I don't really know. If we were to pick specific examples of, say, UFO sightings or experience, my most common answer to what I think they are is, I don't know, well, same with me. I can certainly speculate as to what it might be, but that's that's... That's all it is, speculation. So then he goes on to re talking about starting up his own podcast, but I wanted to talk to you, Brad, about that last paragraph. Finally, he, finally, I have to disagree with RPJ when he says the most important aspect of an experience is the effect it has on you versus the explanation. I'm not denying these experiences may have a profound and important effect, but if you did see something from another world or other dimension, then that would be the most profound discovery humankind has yet made. To me, those things demand an answer for that very reason. If anything, if you go way out on a limb, the consciousness aspect of these phenomena is legit, then it's an aspect of the world we have yet to discover, and that too would be extremely profound. To me, to say it's not important is effectively giving up on the idea it's any real in any to giving up on the idea it's real in any meaningful manner. I've had okay. my own experiences, and for me, the most profound aspect of those experiences were eventually finding the explanations. Oh, well, and then that, that I think he's failed to see that that is the personal effect that it had in his life. So, I mean, uh, I mean, I've never said that trying to find an explanation is not important. I think it's very important. I'm really doubtful at this point in my life that we as humans may ever get to to actually find that explanation. Maybe it's beyond human understanding and it, and it ever will be. But I'm probably wrong about that. I don't know. But right now, what I feel that we've been overlooking is the personal impact these experiences have had in the, on the witnesses. And this is something that we could easily start to try to, to look at it. I mean, it's just a, ma a matter of interviewing people, asking questions, maybe do some other stuff I can't think about right now because I'm not that smart. But it, the thing is that the phenomenon is trans transient and unpredictable. It comes and goes as it pleases. But You know, people tend to stay here, you know, unless they dematerialize for some reason, but that doesn't seem to happen too often. So witnesses are here and we can ask them questions. And I think we should. 
and maybe we could find something really, really interesting and even meaningful and even revelatory about the phenomenon. So why don't we? I mean, I'm not, I'm not stomping Stanton Friedman and not stopping uh, Michio Kaku for, from finding uh, explanations in a more physical sense. What I'm saying is, okay, let's let those guys do that. Or let, let us, let's also ask different questions. Yeah, good point. What about you, Greg? Any, uh, any last thoughts on that? Everything he said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's... Um, the only problem is sometimes... See, I had this idea you should ask people what happened before. That's a really good thing. Ask a witness what was happening before, what what they were doing, what, yeah, yeah. all kinds of things. But the, the, the bitch is to ask them what happened after which means you've got to keep in touch with them for, you know, a, a week, a month, a year, or two years, 10 years, and ask them what the hell happened in their life afterwards. I think that the, the aftermath is just as important as what was going on during. Um, and then, you know, another thing is record or have them write down what they saw right away, and then ask them five, 10 years, you know, even a week later to write down what they saw or describe it and see what's happening there. But the, the problem with this is, you're not going to get many people that want to be bothered about this after first being interviewed about it. It's, that's a tough one. Well, especially with the ridicule factor and stuff, too, which is one of the reasons why we, I mean, I don't know about Darren, but I wanted to do this podcast to kind of open up, you know, just be another platform for people to talk about their experiences and for us to talk about these topics in a non-judgmental and non-ridiculing way, which is still, I mean, it's getting better, but I think it's still, it's still a problem for a lot of people. It is. You know, I, I go to Oh, I'm right near the microphone. I go to conventions, and a lot of times people come up to me, and, they, and I've mentioned this before. They, they start telling me their experience, and at first I was kind of like, oh, God, another story. But then I realized what they were doing is they're just coming up and downloading their experience on somebody who wasn't going to judge them about it. Yeah. Because I won't. If they ask me and they say, you know, what do you think happened? I'll say, I don't know. Or have you looked at this explanation? Or, you know, have you considered whatever? And other times they're finished their story and they say, okay, thanks. And they walk away Yeah, <laughs> because that's all they wanted. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to be able to tell the story because it's just sitting there and everybody else they tell in their family or people they know or people at work are just like, leave us alone. You're crazy because, you know, it just, it makes no sense to these people when something like that hasn't happened to them. So it, it, It'd be great if there could be somebody that was called a you know a researcher, but they weren't a UFO researcher, or you know, some way to do this where you're not immediately laying huge amounts of, of preconceptions and leading questions and all that on people, um, even if it's just in your mind. I, I had um, what's her name, uh, Cassidy Nicholas, on my show, and yeah. I said, and you know, I don't know how much you listen to or how much people trust what she said. I, I assume she was telling me exactly what she thought and the exact perception that she had of MUFON, um, uh, which seemed like it was opening up a little bit. But the thing was, I said, what are you looking for? You know, when you go out and interview witnesses or whatever, what what do you think you're looking for? What, what's behind all this? And she said, I don't know, which was the, which made me really happy when she said that. I hope there's some way to just push that on everybody that's going out and interviewing witnesses and gathering data. Really, 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 in the front of their mind, they should be saying, I'm, I am not thinking about a UFO. I'm not thinking about the classic UFO. I'm not thinking about anything. Um, I, I, 
to influence the way that that I talk to this person. Um, and I really don't I don't really know how to do that. I mean, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like I'm just talking off the top of my head. It's stupid, but there's got to be a way to not influence the people, have the people that are doing the doing the research, not think about, you know, not have a preconceived idea in their head in their head about what they're looking for, even if they don't think they have one or even if it's something wacky and different or whatever. And it's really hard. That's like almost like a Zen exercise. Think of nothing, you know, yeah. <laughs> while you're doing the thing. And I don't know what the answer to that is, but I think it'd be nice to move towards something like that. Um, she seemed to think that it indicated to me that MUFON was moving towards that, but I don't think as an organization, if MUFON comes and talks to you or you talk to a MUFON investigator, what do you think that they're, you think they're looking for? Yeah. And that might be an insurmountable problem. I don't know. Um, uh, it's hard to tell. Um, Bird State, Robert, we, we, he's very interested in a case from uh, Poland that he talked to, uh, talked to us about where a guy, and he had never heard of UFOs. He'd never seen a movie. I don't know when this happened in the 70s. Do you remember? Oh, uh, not on the top of my head. No. Yeah, but he said that the guy said that these two guys were standing in a field or next to the road, and this guy was on a horse-drawn cart, and he picked them up. And, and took them to like this another field where there was some strange thing standing on a couple of legs. But they didn't look like aliens. He said they just looked like smaller guys dressed kind of funny. Um, and he had no preconceptions. He had no idea what was going on. He had no, like I said, absolutely zero exposure to the culture. Um, it'd be really interesting to find those kind of uh, cases. It'd be really hard to now, but go back through the database and find out where... People just had no idea what was going on. Unfortunately, they talked to UFO investigators, so that doesn't help. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'd be really interested. I'm interested in any. I'm interested in any phenomenon that happens before people know what the hell's going on, before they have even a language to describe it. I'm really interested in the first uh, accounts of American Indian um, uh, having people, the uh, Native Americans, tell. Inve anthropologist what their life was like and what their cosmology was like and what their religion and all that was like because they had no idea going in so you get some really interesting stories um, the first guy Cabeza de Vaca that made it through the United States in like uh, uh, 1590s or something like that he was the first person through and he, he had you know he didn't know what he didn't know what to think and they didn't know what to think of him so that account to me is really interesting because there's no preconceptions on either side there. <laughs> and I w if there could be something like that for uh, ufology, moving towards something like that, I think it'd be really interesting and worth the effort. Hmm. Yeah, I really want, I really appreciate your guys' time going through that, just, uh, you know, that email and talking about the, you know, the polarization between the, the groups and all that. And, and I, I honestly think that your friend is not really that polarizing. I mean, I really think that he is... Uh, He's raising good points. Uh, so obviously that there are things in which I, I, I don't agree with him, but uh, I kind of get the feeling that were I to to meet him in person and get a chance to hang around, I probably I probably will be more comfortable talking to him that with a with a do I uh, you know true believer you know with crystal quartz hanging from his <laughs> from his neck, you know, and saying, oh, yeah, yeah I've got a message from my from my teachers, you know, from my spiritual guides, and those, uh, probably more 
comfortable someone like Jason that with problem that with you know someone like that. Yeah, exactly. You know that's why. That's why I, I was. Programs. I was driving the other day, which in LA is when a lot of people do their thinking, which you can you can see by their driving because they can't think and drive at the same time. So, as soon as they have to think of something, they slam on the brakes. Um, but I had like this this revelation. Like, you know what's wrong with a lot of people that get into this is they want they've got this idea that they're going to find an answer, that there's a reality, or that there's a you know the, the certainty. They want some certainty yeah. about something, and they look for it desperately, very quickly. And it, it just, it's, you know, and you'll find it right away, yeah. some kind of certainty. And then everybody you talk to who isn't into that certainty, you look insane. Yeah. I think what the UFO phenomenon offers is the, the exact opposite, uncertainty, ambiguity. Yeah. And that can be incredibly enriching for yeah. the right type of people. It. Exactly. Yeah. Surf that uncertainty wave, and then you'll probably. I think you learn a lot more, and you don't yeah. get up and stuff. You don't get emotional, mm -hmm. and it's it's. Uh, I think it's, it's far more revealing than than sticking yourself an idea and going. It's like this is what it is, and I'm going to prove it. Or this person has the answer, and I'm sticking with this person. Yeah, the certainty thing is just it's it's a disease. It's a horrible disease. <laughs> So what else you got coming up, Greg? You got you got you're working for Coast Coast a couple times there, and you just got your book out, and your shows going on. Is there anything else you're you're doing? Uh, I'm trying to uh, earn money flying drones uh, for uh, uh, video drones, not 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 killing people <laughs> drones. <laughs> That's the next step. You can just start with the videos, and uh, I thought about that. Somebody actually. That was going to give me advice. Said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "I'm not sure. I want to be flying drones that kill people. In fact, I'm pretty sure I don't." Um, and the thing is that I'm 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 off the hook there because you have to have a commercial pilot's license to even be considered for that. And I don't have one. I have a private pilot's license, um, and that can be used uh, as according to the laws right now. I can earn money uh, flying a some sort of quadcopter, whatever, with camera for real estate or, or oh, yeah. film, video, um, TV, whatever. Nice. Um, so that's, that's what I'm trying to do to, to make money right now. And, um, and then uh, I'll move ahead with books. I've got people that want to write books with me. I don't know if I'm going to do that or how quick I'm going to do it, but I've got an idea for the next one, and I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to be hired by Bifro too? Is, uh, you, know, you can search for Bigfoot out there with your drone? Yeah, maybe if they pay. <laughs> <laughs> at some point i'm going to go out uh chris o'brien wants me and uh another uh, there's another guy they already have that has a drone but he's you know since i'm friends with him he they're going to go out um uh on some sort of expedition here in the fall and he hasn't really exactly told me what it is but he says he wants me to drink bring my drone and my ultralight flying thing so that i can get some shots of stuff from the air so we'll see what happens with that i, I also fly um ultralight um a p powered paraglider so I do that too. Any, Black anytime dragons? I get here, I'm very happy. Huh? Black dragons. Yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, I fly a, a paraglider is one of those things that you see that looks like a looks like a um, it looks like a parachute, except it's basically an, a, a wing that's in, that uh, becomes rigid when it's moving through the air. And so you, you can see people flying at the beach, and so you know what a paraglider yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've been doing that for like ten years now, both with the motor and without. So. Oh, nice. So that, cool. that's another thing I do. So that 
that's pretty much what's coming up, and I don't want to go back to a regular job if I can possibly help it. That, that's that's my main goal right now. Nice. Where you have to show up every day, and if somebody's tapping their foot if you're 30 seconds late, <laughs> I, I don't know why it took me so long to say I'm not going to do that anymore. Absolutely not. If you do what Darren does, he just shows up late every day, then they just can't say anything. They just expect you to be late every day. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> The places I've been at, there, it's uh, it was. I've been in post production video, and it's a very exacting industry. You cannot screw up. If you screw up, they get upset, and if you screw up two two times, they get very upset. And if you screw up three times, they fire you. This. How about you, Red? Oh, Before well. we start wrapping it up here, do you want to tell everybody what you're up to? Uh, mischief as always. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Like Greg, trying to find ways in which I can uh, hang around more with people who share my kind of interests, and even people who dis- might disagree with me, but you know, will do so on an agreeable and civil manner. You know, and and uh, I mean, Paramania was great, and I'm so looking forward to trying to find uh, uh, more chances to 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 do do more like that. Uh, more often in the year, but that, at at the moment that implies for me, you know, sticking to a regular day job, you know, and trying to uh, save as much money as possible so I can just go and spend it with all my gringo friends, you know, in, in, a, in a four days. Yeah, spend the, the the money I earn in a whole year, you know, you know, blow it away in just four days in the United States. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And um, he he uh, the, the he did uh, um, Red Pill also did the cover of the book, which is mind-blowingly amazing and great. Um, and I can tell that because I was having lunch with somebody the other day. It was on the table. We were in a public area, and people walked by and were looking at the cover. They were stop. They didn't say anything because we were talking, but they were stopping and staring at the cover. It's that compelling. So I didn't even yeah. realize it until that happened when it you know was out in public. Well, uh, it was really, uh, it became really important for me to try to do something exactly like that. It's something that would get noticed uh, right away, uh, you know, among other books in a, in a, uh, in a book cabinet, you know. So uh, I devoted, well, I devoted a lot of time, I devoted a lot of effort. It became something of a, I don't know, but in almost like a, magical project, although I shouldn't say magical because I will piss Jason off <laughs> so much by saying that. Well, uh, not because, well, the, the way I, I, I refer to the term magic is using your intention in, in order to make a physical effect in the world. And then, well, that's why you, that we have something called imagination. So from that perspective, yes, you know, the, the Edifies language project was uh, very much a magical project, and obviously, if I had the chance to do the same for pe- for other people, you know, with cool pro- projects like that, you know, if someone would like say, "Oh well, do you care to do the cover project for my math essay?" You know, I said, "Ah, I think I pass." You know, <laughs> but you know, so I've tried to to find ways to to offer my poor service such as uh, such as they are to some of the other some of my other friends in the paranormal scene you know and if I, I can make a little more extra money so i can you know have a couple more margaritas during 
you know, for Romania 2017, then that would make me very happy. Nice. Hey, hey Greg, was it you that was talking about uh, audiobooks making um, or starting up something to publish more audiobooks in this genre? Or have you thought about, can you, are you going to do yours? No, it wasn't me. It wasn't you, eh? Hmm. Uh, Miles Lewis, who's been my friend for many, oh. many, many years, has is, works in the Texas Talking Book Project. He has suggested such things. I don't know if that that that's the source that source of that story. Yeah, I think it is actually. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and what, when uh, when Red Pill says magical, the first thing I think of is Alistair Crowley's quote: "Magic is the art and science of of getting reality to conform with your will." Yeah. That's all it is. I like that. All the mumbo jumbo that goes along with it is is mumbo jumbo or whatever. But a, 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 some doing something, causing magic to happen, and people have the wrong idea of what that thing that term means. Is I want to do this thing. What can I do in my life? How can I change my life and the way I act and the way I go about my business to to cause my life to be the way that I see I want it to be? That to me that that's a. If you can do that, even occasionally. You're amazing, and it's a wonderful thing because most people can't, and that's horrible because yep. it keeps a lot of people very sad. <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably um, a pretty good spot to uh, wrap. Hmm? It. That's probably a good spot to wrap it up then. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much hey, for coming on, guys. There's a website called itdefieslanguage.com, and you can order the book and order signed copies and stuff on that. That and oh, and posters of the um, cover that we had printed up. Oh, mm-hmm. well, yeah. We'll get one for the studio for sure. Oh yeah, we need a poster for the yeah, studio. Yeah, for and sure. we'll and we'll and we'll order a book as well, Greg. And uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks so much. And we'll put all those links in the show notes for everybody. And yeah, thank you, uh, thank you very much. And hopefully we can do this again. I'd love to. Thank you very much. Right on. Thanks, Red. Yeah. Uh, likewise, man. All right. Take care, Ciao, guys. guys. Bye bye. And that was a chat with uh, Greg and Red. What do you think, buddy? Oh yeah, right. We're doing the outro right away. Yeah, I think it was uh, it was fun. Yeah, it was good to talk to Greg. I feel like I know him already because I've listened to a few of his shows, and you know, Red's talked about him a lot. But I, I really do agree with uh, kind of their take on stuff. Like it really resonates with me. Does it? Yeah. What about yeah, you? That's, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's more your thing, the UFO thing. Yeah. I like the ETH. I suppose. I don't really? Yeah. If it's going to be UFOs, it might as well be aliens. <laughs> You're coming around. What's going on? I uh, wouldn't go that far. Yeah. That was good. That's good. Those guys had fun in Paramania. Maybe we can make it down next year. Yeah. Just, I'd like to. Yeah. It just wasn't in the cards this year. No, it's expensive for us to go down. And we got, you know, money tied up in this thing as well. And yeah. other trips to do. And, Saving yeah. up for a new computer. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks, Greg and Red, for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Come back anytime. Check out Greg's show, uh, Radio Mysterioso. I think there's a couple interviews with Red on there, so you can track him down. A few more our Red Pill Junkie fans can get some more Red. I think there is. Yeah, there's two, I think. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, yeah, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, uh, of course, as always, check out grimerica.ca slash support for all the different ways to support the show. Sign up for a monthly. Those are always appreciated. Of course, we appreciate anything. 
Uh, right now we are still running grimerica.ca slash upgrade where you can enter for your chance to win a Grimerica prize pack. Includes your chance to come on the show, an iPad, and some Grimerica swag. Uh, all the details are there at the URL. It's all in the show notes. Sign up for the newsletter. Sign everyone else you know for up for the newsletter. Sign people you don't know up for the newsletter. Send Graham some spam. Send Graham some spam. G-R-A-H-A-M. Acroamerica.com. Yeah. First, if you type what might get through. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's about it. Right on. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
baby, like coast to coast. But on demand, raw and uncut interviews, and all without no ads. Once it's false and once it's true, and the rate you sing grows too. America, America is here for you. Stories from the listeners. They sent to Graham. He'll read the man, be amazed. But Darren may say no. One says red and one says blue. But if it's false, it just won't do. Grammarica, Grammarica. America. America. 